Welcome to 372 Pages. We'll never get back. This is Connor Lestoka. I was briefly confused about the name of our own podcast, Mike. We've only been doing this for, I think this is episode 142 or something like that. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've occasionally said the name of other podcasts or, uh, you know, and had to scrub those off. I was once um, on stage at the Guthrie Theater uh, years ago and uh, was standing there in a spot on the stage and realized I have no idea what time it, where did I, did I already do this? And I had to like, you know, kick the guy next to me. Like what scene is this? Wow. So yeah, it happens. You just kind of, you know, something familiar suddenly seems unfamiliar. You were standing there like when you opened the fridge and forget what you got, went there to get. Exactly. Yes. Like you, you run down into the basement and, uh, uh, what, huh? What? Yes, it was exactly that. It was panicky because, you know, the audience is staring at you. like, And so I, I suddenly snapped it. But we had done, you know, it was like eight shows that week. So it was, it was Jeez, yeah, once you got confusing. that, you it. Do you think that ever happens to like the Sandman at the Apollo? He like the clown guy. He comes out with the broom and forgets yes. what he's supposed to do, and it's like the comedian's like, "You're supposed to, you're supposed to give me the hook." Like that's why you're. What did I come out here for? <laughs> well, but we anyway, yes, we are here today to be the proverbial Sandman to the uh, latest book we're reading. It's the twenty fourth book we've covered here uh, together on the podcast with all of you listening along, and that book is Artemis by Andy Weir, author of. The Martian, which was made into a uh, Best Picture-nominated movie starring Matt Damon. And uh, I, I think we can just sort of get right into it today. I, the you know, podcast, you know, book discussion starts at you know, uh, one minute, 15 <laughs> seconds type of thing. <laughs> I, Wait a minute. That movie was nominated for Best Picture? I think, you know, at some point in time, they were like, we're doing 10 movies now. Like, everyone gets a Best Picture nomination. And that was probably at the early, early stages of that. But I, I believe so. Good heavens. Oh, <laughs> that is ah, slim pickings. I guess when you got to fill out 10, you got to, you know, whatever. Yeah, it was nominated for it was nominated for a bunch. Best actor, best screenplay. Uh, <laughs> Good Lord. All right. Well, okay. that, have you seen it? I think I drifted in and out of it once. Yeah. Sure. Not, not my not my particular cup of tea. Don't mean to rain on anyone's parade, but it's not for me. But all all things considered, I looked into this. It's sort of a success story that it you know that this made it to that point because the Martian uh, Andy Weir started publishing on his own website like as a serial thing uh, in 2011, and it was I guess so popular that fans were like, "Let us buy this," and he made it a 99 cent Kindle ebook. And then it was eventually snapped up the publishing rights and the actual paperback came out in 2014. So that's like an old-fashioned internet success story. Like if our Nick Nolte book at Rift Tracks was published, you know, chapter right. by chapter on our blog and then uh, five years later it was a Best Picture nominated movie, that would be pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, sort of a um, – didn't that happen with uh, – was it Paranormal Activity? Like some just some people made that crappy movie, obviously. yeah, or Blair Witch, that sort of thing. Yeah, or, and I then think it, Steven Spielberg sees it and is like, "That's got something there." <laughs> yes, right. Let's change a lot about it, but that's got something. <laughs> yes. Fifty Shades too, I think, was uh, the same sort of. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. But right. I went and I looked at you know because and then so so yeah the public the timeline for that was 2011 published it 2014 
paperback book you could buy, you know, hit the top of the charts and everything. 2015, the movie, and then Artemis came out in 2017. So it was clearly he was working on Artemis after this taste of success, and he knew he was making a Matt Damon movie and all this stuff was going to happen. So I think you got to sort of factor that into the thing. Like, uh, he, he thought this was a realistic possibility for this next book. That, uh, so who do you yeah so we can I guess as we go along we'll figure out who he was casting yes yeah. <laughs> in each of the roles because he was sure I mean how hard is it to write a book and then get it made into a Matt Damon movie it's easy I did it the first time it happened <laughs> exactly and so we'll see who he had in mind but then this one came out and people sort of rebelled just like Ernest Klein's Armada where people were like this the other book was you know, uh, we we sing hosannas from on high. The, the 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 heavens open up. This is the king of Hollywood, and the next person comes out like this one sucks. And any discerning reader can can read and say it, it does suck more. But they uh, clearly they both are cut from the exact same chunk of marble here. <laughs> right. Someone suddenly. What, what do they call that? A uh, preference cascade. Okay. When so, you know it's the emperor has no clothes. Basically. Uh, like, yes. Uh-huh. Suddenly it's noted like, hey, hey, this kind of sucks. Right, like, yes. Hootie and yes. the Blowfish second album. They're like, what the? <laughs> we did the right. exact same thing. Right. But so uh, I, I went, I looked at the some of the reviews for The Martian just to see if, you know, maybe because we're not going to read it. We have not read it, will not read it. But just to see if this Klein theory uh, might be in play as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're sort of telling this. They got okay. some of those, they got some of those buzzwords. Uh Sharp, funny, and thrilling with just the right amount of geekery. (laughs) (laughs) An impressively geeky debut novel. That's another one. And uh, laces the technical details with enough keen wit to satisfy hard science fiction fans and general readers alike. So I think Uh, there's a little, a few uh, red geeky flags there. uh, Red flags, indeed. Keen wit? (laughs) 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 <laughs> and uh what is just the proper amount of uh well technical details with enough keen wit uh just just the right amount of geekery uh, geekery <laughs> all right ah uh, yes so it's uh it, <laughs> i think that as we continue to read artemis it just got to keep that in mind is, is this the right amount of geekery uh well the and is it impressively geeky? I'm not sure. But uh, the review for Artemis, the only one that I saw that was uh, just a sort of tepid, a sci-fi crowd pleaser made for the big screen. So that's a uh, that leaves you to wonder what else was in that review, because that's clearly the one made for the cover. <laughs> right. Well, just the right amount of geekery makes me think of, you know, uh, if you're making a souffle or something and you put just the wrong... So I, I, we'll see, you know, then you get a deflated, uh, you know, omelet instead of a yes. light, fluffy souffle. So hopefully in Artemis, he puts just the right amount of geekery in. But yeah. We'll see. Otherwise, it's a, uh, a soggy blob of geekery. You could put that on your on your next edition, Weir. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so yeah, let's let's get into it. the The book starts with some uh, some maps of this moon base, but it starts with a, an action sequence um, taking place with our our main character and a uh, character named Bob, who are out doing some sort of moonwalk. When uh, I mean, this starts as it's happening. She's already had a, a disaster. She's trying to head back to the uh, you know moon base, but uh, she's losing oxygen or something like that. Yes, I immediately the the Bob that I thought of that I pictured was the Microsoft uh, interface. 
the nineties. <laughs> Microsoft's Bob. Well, so that was hard to get over that. You know, yes, so. he's a he's a friendly dog, uh, or perhaps paperclip helping her out here. Right. Yes. <laughs> Did you ever use Microsoft Bob? Um, I believe. Uh, we loaded it up on a computer to see it. I think they asked us. We maybe got a review copy of it. Wow. Uh, it was, oh, my God. It uh, it does not disappoint. I'm sure you can go on YouTube and find versions of it. You've told many stories about the uh, Mystery Science days, you know, attending big parties and meeting Kurt Vonnegut and all this stuff. This is the first time I think I've been impressed. A free review copy of Microsoft <laughs> Bob. That's, <laughs> that's a arrived, big, big baby. Time. <laughs> Well, yes. uh, I, I feel like this sequence, there wasn't a ton going on, because I think he, he there's a couple action sequences in here that are clearly designed to be uh, movie set pieces, and uh, this is this is one of them. But very early taste of what you're in for, and it's this sort of, the best way to describe it is like marvel humor, I guess, dialogue, because they have stuff like, uh, you know, the Bob saying, the leak's huge, I can see the gas escaping your tanks, and the hero says, thanks for the pep talk. Um, and so that that's sort of just that that's in the first page of the book and i think that's that's a, a very good indication of what we're in for here i'm surprised uh, she didn't say it's all right i don't shop here <laughs> <I'll>, uh, <laughs> you can probably guess what we're working on <laughs> the hero our young 20 uh, something old woman is played by sylvester stallone in the movie that was what andy Weir that's was who he was picturing yep, as he wrote this and the, this is the first time uh, this uh that i was reminded of something and it turned out to be from an ernest klein book it says she's taking these long like moon strides um mm-hmm. towards the base and it says the long strides paid off I was really hauling ass now. And I was like, this has come up before, right? And I looked it up, and it was from uh, Armada, which used hauling ass three different times. One of them was, our remote sensors had just detected the first sign of the European vanguard emerging from the asteroid belt out beyond the orbit of Mars. They were really hauling ass. (laughs) So could you haul ass to a location and begin assing around wow do, do those things go together very good question <laughs> well leave it to the listeners i somebody probably knows there's yeah. probably a protocol for that i don't feel like you could haul ass and then ass around but i don't know i don't know the people inside the moon base could be sitting around like one guy's looking at the watches being like i i'm really sorry i, I they said they'd be here by now that i mean the ass haulers are usually more reliable than this, so um, I know we're we're waiting to. <laughs> we could dig around. I don't know. I mean, uh, it's pretty similar. All right. Uh, and then uh, she gets back. She like says, uh, you know, I'd managed to get altitude sickness on the moon because of the oxygen leaving or something like that. And uh, as uh, as Bob returns at the decompression chamber, she gets another little uh, marvelly dialogue. Well, that sucked, I said as I lifted my helmet off. <laughs> oh, that just happened. Exactly. Amazing. <laughs> but uh, we get it. Bob is a, uh, it's described thusly. It's sort of like a, an editor's note or just a uh, person coming up with a character description in a show Bible. Bob is a former U.S. Marine with a no bullshit attitude. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so the characters are being richly developed. And it turns out that he's the head of the EVA Guild, who is the people that give tours on the moon like this. And uh, she's attempting to become a, a tour guide because you can make some serious bank. 
but uh, she just failed this exam. So she's going to have to wait a few more months, I guess. Um, you know how sometimes you have a, I, I guess I should put this as my favorite sentence of the week, <laughs> yes. but this is a full stop sentence. Dicks. <laughs> so that's, that's how the guild works, period, uppercase, dicks, period. <laughs> so uh, just the right amount of humor for me. I, I think I, so. I yeah. That, that's followed almost immediately by her saying, so how would I do? And then, uh, the former, uh, U.S. Marine with a no bullshit, bullshit attitude says, you failed the exam, Jazz. You super duper failed. <laughs> Which is also that's... It's shades of uh, care for some snackage lieutenant in, uh, in Armada as well. So, Oh, right. But you know what? That sounds like a little bit of a bullshit attitude. And <laughs> I was told, <laughs> I was promised sentences before <laughs> that there would be none. Well, she gets very upset by her failing, um, but then the the uh, the um, she's trying to protest. Then the no no bullshit former marine says, "This is a results oriented profession. The moon's a mean old bitch." <laughs> Which I'm always saying, I you know, when I get stuck in traffic, I say, "Ah, oh, the Earth's a mean old bitch." You know, it, it's because it's revealed that she's later lived here her entire life. Um, so it's just a funny thing to uh, to have its characters constantly reminding themselves where they are. And we get more of that. Yeah, but it, and speaking of the Ernest Kleinian nature, which that'll it's going to come up a lot, people, just warning you right now uh, for obvious reasons. But every character, no matter how they're described, is the same character. <laughs> oh, you know yes, what I mean? Yes. Like nobody has a different – there's no putting – the author putting oneself in the mind of a, a completely different human and sort of inhabiting it. It's just like, yeah, we're all just kind of snarky idiots. <laughs> Even if we're no bullshit U.S. Marines. Right. right, who just, you know, watch someone almost die. Yes. Uh, speaking of Ernest Klein, <laughs> well, all right, someone just uh, wrote in and said they figured out how to do transcripts of the podcast, so you can, you can see how much Klein comes up in this one. But uh, she describes uh, the place she lives thusly. Artemis is the first and so far only city on the moon. It's made of five huge spheres called bubbles. They're half underground, so Artemis looks exactly like old sci-fi books said a moon city should look. A bunch of domes. <laughs> so we get thrown our first, uh, they were doing a variety of 80s dance moves right there. <laughs> you know that thing you've already seen? It's like that. Picture that. I don't have the energy or the talent to describe an actual moon city. <laughs> I, I do wonder, what did they do with all the uh, ancient structures on the moon? Or they, I guess they just live in oh, a different section of Very the true, yes. Uh, on, because yeah. old sci-fi books, I've already got that pictured. We just did an old sci-fi <laughs> book. And your uh, little uh, bubbles look nothing like it. Yeah, there is no uh, statues. There's no moon jewels. No, Wasn't there's there no a... giant footprints. The... <laughs> well, uh, I think it is revealed uh, that it's like 2080. Maybe I just looked on Wikipedia. I don't know when, when you know that. But also, and, and this woman is, uh, you know, in her early 20s. Um, so when she caught up on these um, sci-fi books from um, Garrett Peace Service in 1898, I, I'm not sure, but like, right. you know... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a lot of time hanging around the uh, welding shop. Is sure. What... Yep. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, and this is the first time I wrote that it's going to be a long ride. It was this. Uh... I, I bet you it's the exact same sentence <laughs> with nearly the same. Share it with me, please, and I'll confirm. 
Uh, this is what I said. Oof, what are we in for? Uh, it needs working class people, too. You don't expect Jay Worth-A-Lot Rich Bastard III to clean his own toilet, do you? And Ex- then right after it. If my neighborhood were wine, connoisseurs would describe it as shitty with overtones of failure and poor life decisions. That is exactly the yes. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, do, I wonder, did the uh, the writers of... Uh, what what is the uh, the sitcom that was on for years that we never saw the two two broke girls or something? Sure, yeah, Cat uh, uh, Dennings and the other yes. one. Did they uh, bring one of the writers in? Like, how would, if you were a wine, I'd describe you as shitty. <laughs> Hands and on done. hips, like you know, yes. as the audience goes nuts. Yeah, I quoted Frank Costanza. I just about Andy Weir. I said, "This guy, this is not my kind of guy." <laughs> <laughs> But I think I, I trace it all back to uh, that shitty with overturns of failure. Like Patton Oswalt, who, you know, a very funny comedian, said, uh, described the KFC famous bowl, and he called it a, a failure pile and a sadness bowl. And I think the entire internet just decided to write like that for the, you know, for the rest of recorded time. Because I, right, I don't yeah. remember hearing anything like that before then. But <laughs> after that, I think that type of. I, 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 Describing it as anything other than directly ripping off that style is uh, t- is the only way I think. Yeah, I mean, I think as as comedy writers, we probably have fallen into traps where people listen to our stuff from ten years ago and go, "Oh, come on, guys!" Like, yeah, I guess maybe it was in the air. Sure, we try to avoid that as much as we can. But... Uh, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> please do not send us all the countless examples of uh, of ripping that off. But I think yes, you can. Please don't. You can consciously say like. Come on, people don't people don't talk like that. You could read that in the comments of a Gawker blog and say, "All right, that was a good comment," but saying it out loud <laughs> is just a different type of uh, it's a different animal. Uh, well, I'll go back to your uh, is it Frank Costanza? Yes. Is the, uh, with this one, uh, there's only one use for a coffin. That is the place she sleeps. Sleep. Well, okay. There's another use, which also involves being horizontal. But you get my point, brother. This guy, this guy, he's he's not my type of guy. <laughs> Just like we've said before, the the type of things that you you like read, but no one's actually no one ever, never ever says the horizontal mambo. That's for yeah. like the horny friend to say in a movie. That's not a <laughs> right. James Wen's roommate says that. Yes. You know, James Wen's character's roommate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Well, I think it's just like everything else in those movies is probably based on something. It's from real clear life. he was. <laughs> yes. Well, this is another good thing. This is a uh, this is a twenty twenty four year old. Let's stick with that. Uh, saying this in 2082, my coffin isn't going to be featured in Better Homes and Moonscapes anytime soon. But it's all I can afford. So I'm glad that Better Homes and Gardens magazine. Survives as a reference point. Uh, Sixty years into the future, yes. It just, um, it, just I, it, it gives me hope for you know print media. That yeah, right. It's um, I am assuming she also reads a Woman's Day and uh, <laughs> Newsweek. <laughs> She's also up on her uh, on her World War One artillery too, because it says each bubble has two set, six centimeter thick holes with a meter of crushed rock between them. You could shoot a howitzer at the city. And it still wouldn't leak. My goodness, how how it's <laughs> wow, yeah, that's amazing. Um, and so you you pointed this out to me. You you warned me like get ready for this. Um, and so this is I don't know which reference this is. 
uh, sort of doing world building in this first uh, chapter here. That's lunar gravity for you. Anyway, I hopped up the tourist stairs until I reached ground level. Walking up 15 floors of stairwell probably sounds horrible. I didn't actually think of it, but, <laughs> but it's not that big a deal here. I wasn't even winded. Yep. Like, yes, we get it. We get it. <laughs> There's already been mentions of her, you know, leaping and going fast. Like, when you're on the moon, it's different gravity. Yes. It's, it's already happened like 25 times. The 15 flights of stairs probably sounds horrible. Not two paragraphs before is it says uh, it's only one sixth of Earth's gravity. Walking doesn't take much energy. <laughs> so it gets to be like the uh, over the top announcer who they realize that no one understood the rules of professional arm wrestling tournaments. <laughs> so they keep having to be like, please remember, ladies and gentlemen, it is a double elimination tournament. It's like someone is blaring that through Artemis at all times. Please remember, this is the moon and gravity here is one sixth of the Earth. Oh, I just absolutely love that that movie obviously went through uh, audience testing and every card came back with Stallone lost and I was very confused. <laughs> so back into the cutting room and then the voiceover just yelling. <laughs> and then they showed it again and people were like, but he lost. Oh, you didn't hear the announcement? All right, put it in again. Yeah, double down. <laughs> it's literally like 15 times. Uh, she meets a character that... Reminded me of uh, the beloved character Irock from Ready Player One. Uh, that would be Dale. She, he is introduced thusly. Well, if it isn't Jazz Bashara, said a nearby asshole. Oh, God. <laughs> yep. And his name is Dale, so I was, I was hoping we'd get introduced to his buddy Chad as well. But that would, yeah. have, been, that would have been too mm -hmm. big of a coincidence. Um, and he says, uh, I heard you failed the EVA exam. Tough break. I passed on my first try, but we can't all be me, can we? And she tells him to get uh, to go to hell, and then he smirked in a very punchable way. So that makes me uh, somewhat ashamed of having used the term punchable in the past. I, I might have to retire that one. Ah, I like the word. Yeah, uh, I was I was chagrined by it as well. Yes, <laughs> but we can't wipe out every word that Andy Weir. Uses, that's true. That's ever, true. You know. Yes, but we will wipe out this. Um, this was written in a book. Uh, this is our main character. We're supposed to like, uh, presumably, right? We're supposed to like this person. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, remember that time I gave a shit about what you have to say? Oh, wait, my mistake. That never happened. <laughs> oh, my God. How old are you? <laughs> really? Oh. Uh, sassy, you know, sassy, like, kid who hassles the babysitters club or something like if you were allowed to swear on full house that's the kind of uh, line you would have like <laughs> also uh, right before that if you were in the tunnel at the time ellipses well it sucks to be you i don't think i've ever said that so you can go back and check the record but i don't think i ever have. yeah i i i take the uh, the under on you using that <laughs> yeah uh, we get some more world building. Um, there's uh, different parts of the moon, and uh, there's like the working class area, but then there's like the luxury, like Vegas type of thing, which has hotels, mm -hmm. casinos, whorehouses, theaters, and even an honest to god park with real grass. And it essentially sounds like people are mostly coming to the moon to go shopping. Yes. They have an arcade where that doesn't bother to list prices. Uh, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. And it says they. Uh, People come and stay. Uh, wealthy folks make annual trips and stay in nice hotels. And my, oh, my, do they shop. So um, 
just talk about, I think we've talked it before, just uh, the Garrett P. Service, how everything looked like something on Earth because he didn't mm-hmm. have enough imagination. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have that exact phenomenon right here. Like, why would we go to the moon to like bask in the wonder, you know, to see something else that no one else could do? Oh, no, we're just going to go buy some like luxury watches. We're going to uh, never actually go out on the street, just go through those tunnels, you know, to, uh, yeah, the, the, I mean, it's just Vegas. It's exactly Vegas. Yes. <laughs> but I had the same feeling about it as like, you're you're on the moon. When, when I go to Vegas with friends, I, I bugged, the first time I went, I bugged a bunch of people by going, shouldn't we like drive to the dam or something? Like, we, why are we just walking around like they have casinos in Minnesota? This is not that, uh, this is not that different. I mean, they're a little nicer. There's a little less cigarette smoke in the air, but, uh, I've seen this all, guys. But they're yeah. like, come on, man. It's Vegas. you got to do this. Yeah, it's not like you can go bet on a something that's illegal, you know, a, a cockfight or something. Or like, I guess they do have chicken tic-tac-toe. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, she's just describing that people, and, and she has uh, contempt for kind of the middle classers who do it. Like, mm. they, they save up their money right. and come to the moon and stay at, you know, uh, motel sixes or whatever right on, on the moon and and you know <laughs> she she has contempt for them right she's her her stated desire throughout the entire book is to get rich that is all you know no means to the end it turns out she's engaging in illegal activity but she's you know working as a porter or something like that but that is her her motivation here mm-hmm uh, we also get this uh, little bit of world building which I think is this is the way to do it in your sci-fi books um don't let things just sort of happen naturally and, and trust that the audience is going to figure it out once they get oh, ran yes. up enough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she says, I checked the landing zone schedule on my gizmo. More about those later. But uh, it says, no meat ship today, parentheses. That's what we call passenger ships. <laughs> I think for one show we should trade notes because that's my exact... <laughs> I you get... coin a phrase and then immediately explain it. Uh, it's it's come up before. It's the it's the Rachel Ray. Um, then you you know just dump put in a little E V O O. That's extra virgin olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have it both ways. I mean, you know, I've I've read uh, you know harder sci fi and fantasy, and yeah, it's a little disorienting when you have. It was disorienting the first time Game of Thrones called someone S-E-R for sir instead of sir. You're like, what is going on? Is my Kindle copy of this like misprinted? But you you, you learn eventually right. once you're immersed in it. <laughs> and But then, then, two sentences after she says, that's what we call passenger ships. I'm just going to continue. I'll read that sentence again and I'll keep reading. Because yeah. we get to a point oh, where... Oh, God, yes. We, Exa- I know what you're... Yep. We have to take a stop at this point in time. It says, no meat ship today. That's what we call passenger ships. They only come about once a week. The next one wouldn't be there for three days, thank God. There's nothing more annoying than trust fund boys looking for moon poon. Oh. So, good night, folks. It's been a good... Uh, <laughs> yep. good Shut ride. Sorry we have to cancel another book of this. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good opportunity to uh, shout out everyone who left comments on Facebook and our uh, 372 site saying that they loved this book. Ooh. So uh, uh, shout out to Joe S., Brian W., (laughs) who called it really good, and Eric W. Um, Glad you're you're still confident enough to weigh in about that at this point in time, fellas. 
What was it called? Sharp humor and just the right amount of geekery? What was the humor? <laughs> well, to be fair, that was The Martian. So uh, either... Uh, I know. I'm just I'm just trying to figure out whether this is just the right amount of <laughs> the sharp humor I was looking for. Um, just prior to this, though, the they're, again, the world building. They're talking about these uh, smelting places. And there's a lot about making oxygen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the smelter uses insane amounts of heat and extremely nasty chemicals. So everyone agrees it should be far away. Was there a meeting? <laughs> everyone agrees? How often are you bringing this up? Like, with friends? Like, hey, can just a show of hands. Who thinks the smelting? <laughs> all right. All right. I think we're all in agreement on that. There's one guy. Oh, that's old Stinky Joe. He loves... He loves uh, nasty chemicals. He lo- <laughs> wants them even closer. I make them extremely nasty for me. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe they all have. Uh, we, we we get some information about how many people live here. Maybe they're all having town meetings, like Springfield does. You know, like right. Everybody's there. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, so they have those nasty chemicals far away, and it says we do everything we can to keep lunar dust from entering the city, which is the first time I noted that there's a a Chekhov's lunar dust and the Chekhov things that he's uh, setting up for future calamity start piling up as well oh for sure yeah yeah <laughs> um, um i want i to ask you this um i think we crossed over it already. i just want to make sure did you laugh at this speaking of the the humor of this book i'll just read it and and see even maybe that little bit of air you blow through the nose when someone okay sure the yeah wry shouts and murmurs kind of humor the kind of <clears throat> <laughs> I acknowledge that you said something. Uh, this is with her. Um, she meets the the guy who kind of raised her, I guess, when her her dad kicked her out. I don't know. Oh, Nakatoshi. Nakatoshi. No, no, sorry, Nakoshi. Nakoshi Plaza. Yes, he was family to me, like a beloved uncle. Get in line with the other porters, you little shit. Okay, maybe more like a distant cousin. <laughs> See, you laughed out loud. Okay, it's just, the humor is just the right amount of humor. Well, yeah, just the right amount of humor. I mean, Gilligan's Island had that sort of style humor, too. You know? I'm not That's going true. in there. I am not going in there. Boing. You can't make me do it. Wow. That, uh, wow. Okay. Uh, we, we, we get this... Uh, uh, I, I, I do want, want to mention, they, they had something about how there was a huge Kenyan flag flying. Uh, Kenya Space Corporation, and, and then they left it at that, um, which, you know, we, we said the world building was crappy. That one did uh, leave me wondering what was going on. They explained it a bit later, but just as, if you're not reading the book, um, some, Kenya has a huge presence in this so far. Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I, I give them a little golf clap for not immediately explaining that. It comes a couple paragraphs later. <laughs> sure, okay, so. yeah, exactly. I want to give some credit where it's due, uh, mostly because it allows us to gloss over some of the, some of the other parts. But uh, it says, uh, Nikoshi is essentially a, the head porter. She smuggles stuff for money on the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it says he's, uh, uh, she's buying something off of him or running something to a delivery. It says, I brought up my Gizmos banking software and initiated the transfer. The Gizmos did whatever magic shit computers do to identify each other and verify. Nikoshi picked up his Gizmo, checked the confirmation page, and nodded with approval. He stamped the box. Are you ready for some uh, just the right amount of uh, cleverness and wit? I had this for you as well, yes. Okay. Go ahead, please. 
Um, he stayed oh, maybe he, you might have the previous uh, joke. Oh, There's okay. two jokes in here. Okay, oh, go right, ahead. There are, there are several jokes in this. Yes. <laughs> I'll, read, I'll read my joke. Okay. He stamped the box. What's in there anyway? Porn, mostly. Starring your mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay, that is what I had. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of uh, phrases that everyone uses, chef's kiss on the amount oh, very of nice, there, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I don't even like, I'm not sure what it's emulating, you know, it's, uh, it's too juvenile to be, a, you know, a, a Seth Rogen movie and it's too, uh, too, too like dirty to be uh Disney, Disney channel. So yeah, I don't know. I like, what was your quote again? Can we isolate that? It's too juvenile to be a Seth Rogen movie. <laughs> well, like, you know, th- there's a bar for it. Yeah, it's not that dirty type of thing, but it's, uh, I, I don't know. You, you would not have him say, I guess maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Freaks and geeks level. Right. Um, okay, here we go. She, then she heads to plot wise. She's, uh, she brings her package, her contraband. Mm-hmm. And here's the description here. Um, I was headed to the estate of one of the richest, rich fox, that's one word, I'm sorry to have to say that, in town, Trond Landvik. Yeah. He'd made a fortune in the Norwegian telecom industry. His home occupied a big chunk of shepherd's ground floor, stupidly huge, considering it was just him, his daughter, and a live-in maid. But hey, it was his money. If he wanted to have a big house on the moon, who was I to judge? After spending a paragraph judging someone, <laughs> who, who was I to judge? Piece of crap, garbage, piece of jerk ass. I hope he dies. I hope he gets stomach cancer and there's no medicine. But hey, who am I to judge? <laughs> there's a several paragraphs, I think, where by the end of the paragraph, it sort of negated itself and makes you wonder why you even bothered to read it. Right. This one, too, she's writing there on her car, Trigger, uh, or a scooter or whatever it is, uh, or yeah. cart. It says, uh, this, just, so just by the end of this paragraph, tell me if you're glad that you read this or if an editor should have intervened. <clears throat> I powered trigger up. There's no key or anything, just a button. Why would anyone steal a cart? What would you do with it? Sell it? You'd never get away with it. Artemis is a small town. No one steals shit. Well, okay, there's some shoplifting, but no one takes carts. <laughs> That's when she looks up and like, the guy I was talking to left 30 seconds ago, didn't he? <laughs> I, I believe that's a word-for-word word in Andy Rooney routine. Yeah, Why would sound. anyone steal a card? What would you do with it? Sell it. Justify. You never get away with it. <laughs> but no one takes cards. Uh, so she goes to visit uh, Worthington J. Richfuck Third or whatever. <laughs> Trond. Uh, Trond Landvik. And he's in the middle of a, uh, they're essentially like, um, you know, huddled over like conspirators in a, uh, in a play, just being like, anyway, the money-making potential is, Jazz, so good to see you. <laughs> yes. I <laughs> know this is strictly illegal, and so it's just between the two of us. You quite understand that, don't you? Hello. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's essentially Ben Gazzara in Roadhouse as, uh, as <laughs> Dalton enters, and he's, you know, he's having his Bloody Mary and breakfast. And the other guy he's talking to is Jin from Hong Kong, who catches her off guard by speaking, uh, by sounding like normal English when he talks. She essentially spit takes when he doesn't have a uh, thick uh, Hong Kong accent. Yeah, I, I wondered if that was a, uh, is that like 
is she pointing the is he i mean the author pointing the finger at me like you thought he'd have a thick accent i didn't think anything i don't know you're the, you're the one making this stuff up <laughs> and to just reiterate it's 2080 and she lives on the moon so like lord knows what type of you know the moon is kenyan property or something so right. the internationalness of whatever's going on we have we have absolutely no idea because no nothing has been bothered to to have that we have no idea what what the demographics are here whether she speaks other languages it turns out she does but um etc <laughs> yeah but uh you're you're leading i'm assuming to cool. i think the the entire first chapter is centers on this particular thing because i you know i stopped after one of the first sentence and i was like my god and then it just kept going so so i don't know what's your what's your take on this exchange ah i mean i'll, t- I'll tell you my whole thesis after we've read it but you remember how when we were doing the harry potter riff tracks and like by like movie five they would just like you know the Dumbledore would do something like make the dishes fly to the tables and the kids are just like gazing at them in awe as they yes. happen. And it's like, you've, right. you've, you grew up with magic. Like, why yes. would anyone like, so that's what these characters are like about the moon. Like Jin has got there. He's like, it's magical. <laughs> this is my first visit to the moon. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I've always been a fan of science fiction. Um, I grew up watching Star Trek. Now I get to live it. So, you know, he again. He's there. People have probably been living on the moon for. I'm guessing his entire life. Uh, you know, if he's like a guy in his 30s, and uh, but he's doing that same sort of. He's he's already walked around the moon. He's explored the tunnels. He's probably bounded up the stairs because gravity is. Yeah, the tourist stairs. Maybe yeah, he yeah. took four at a time. Uh, that that was cool. Yeah. So I I saw that, and you do the you know forehead slap like oh my god. Mm-hmm. But then the author goes Star Trek. Tron said, seriously? That's like a hundred years old. <laughs> okay, but you made up this character, yes, idiot. Yes, you want to mock the reference and wallow in it? Uh, and then Jin continues. Go ahead. Uh, uh, quality is quality. Age is irrelevant. <laughs> no one bitches about Shakespeare fans. <laughs> Fair point, but there aren't any hot alien babes to seduce here. Why not? Um, you can't quite be Captain Kirk. That's a fifty-year-old uh, billionaire who just said yes. that. Yes. Um, yeah. Here we go. Actually, Jin Chu held up a finger. <laughs> oh my God! Kirk had only slept with three alien women in the entire classic series, and that number assumes he slept with Elon of Troyes, which was implied but never made clear. So it might be just two, which I realize I should have been reading in that voice the whole time. I'm, I'm very embarrassed. Um, actually. Yes, he gives him an actual actually. The author actually's himself. <laughs> he brings up a stupid crap that no one ever would bring up ever. You're on the moon. Mm-hmm. And then he holds up a finger to himself. <laughs> like, uh, actually, now that you mention it, like, you're mentioning it. You don't get to say uh, so yeah there's there's moments in here i i think where he's just like all right geeks you want some slop like belly up to the science and reference trough you hogs and so this is <laughs> this is that he later on gives it doles out just a little bit of like like very poor man's xkcd style silence and i think that's just you know him just being like all right every review of my last book mentioned geekery or uh that kind of trash so i guess i gotta dole this out to you i have can for you but here it is so what my question is is 
you know, we're never going to know, but was the last book like this and people overlooked it? Or did something happen to this guy in the meantime? And this is a major point of contention on the dark web. Oh, it yeah. is. I, I forgot to go to the dark web this week. Oh, I mean, this is, I mean, the, the, the geekery is just off the charts on this one. So they are all over this book. Like, there's actual fanfic for Andy Weir books. So, like, there's, the dark web is overflowing with this type of thing. But there are some people out there who suspect that uh, the success of, like, Ready Player One uh, influenced Andy Weir to, you know, maybe dumb it down a bit, maybe throw in some more you know, Star Trek slop to the, to the geeks. And uh, some people have speculated even as much that Ernest Klein, like, himself intervened in the process of the writing of Artemis. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like um, Truman Capote wrote... Uh... Uh, uh, Kill a Mockingbird. Yes, kind of exactly. Yeah. Or, you okay. know, Kurt Cobain uh, writing the Courtney Love uh, lived through this hole. Or, uh, you know, didn't, didn't they say that Steven Spielberg uh, directed in name Poltergeist, but like Toby Hooper put his name on it or something? Mm, yeah. Something yeah, like this that. goes deep. Okay. Exactly. So, so some reenactors uh, speculate about how this might have happened, how Artemis got down to this level so quickly from the heights of the critically acclaimed The Martian. Let's let's take a listen. And the physicist says, that's not a Newton meter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Andy, with a dry scientific wit like this, I can see why you're the toast of Hollywood. Oh, please. The Martian was only nominated for Best Picture. I'm just Michael Collins back on the Eagle watching Buzz and Neil gallivant about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how I love erudite humor. Listen, I must introduce you to Christopher. He told me at Marty's Oscar party that he'd love to direct your next work. Christopher Nolan? I'll have my people set up a meeting yesterday. He often integrates time manipulation into the style of his movies. Andy, you're an utter delight. Ha, I'll be right back. <laughs> what a delightful lady. What a delightful night. And my, that pet gnat was truly smashing. I wonder if I could get one more. No, where? Best to keep your wits about you. You promised your agent you'd get started on book two tomorrow. <laughs> I'll just say hello to Christopher, and then... Uh... What's up, snoochie boochies? <laughs> Little Clerks reference there. Classic 1994-80s comedy. Hey there, Ernest Klein. I am ready to believe you. <laughs> A goofy grin worked its way onto his face as he felt himself quoting the classic 80s comedy Ghostbusters. Well, this night continues to astound. Andy Weir, it is nice to meet you, Ernest. Great Scott! <laughs> The guy that wrote the classic novel, The Martian. Oh, I'm more excited to meet you than the time I finally figured out the right joystick sequence to get past that bridge dragon in Dragon Slayer. Oh, all right, what are you drinking, Andy? No, 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 nothing for me, thank you. Big day tomorrow, and in fact, I was supposed to meet Christopher Nolan. Hey, Lloyd, <laughs> shining bartender, give me two pan-galactic gargle blasters, Hitchhiker's Guide. And I really shouldn't have... But... Hey, as F. Scott Fitzgerald said, here's to alcohol, the rose-colored glasses of life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and as He-Man said, by the power of Grayskull. What? Uh, Drink up, Weir. Oh, 
whole thing in one shot? Uh, mm, uh, I do say, that is a potent potable. Woo-hoo! I feel the need, the need for a chaser. Ah. <laughs> Definitely. Well, it was great to meet you, Ernest. Oh, come on! Don't be a Brian from the Breakfast Club. Stick around. Want to get to know the hot new sci-fi author. <laughs> Look at us here. We're inclined. Drinking together. Mass hysteria. Ghostbusters. Uh, Ghostbusters. Yes. Well, okay. Uh, look at us. Hanging out like we're Tango and Cash. Huh. That's weird. I, I meant to say Watson and Crick. <laughs> well, I don't know who they are, but uh, you better believe I've pulled off repeat back-to-back viewings of TNC. <laughs> Great movie. Yeah, I've got the cash, Funko Pop. I'm still trying to track down Tango. Oh, man. Those look so awesome on my alphabetically arranged DVD shuffle. Whoa. What the hell am I saying? I I loathe Funko Pops, and I am not in my early 20s. Why, why would I have a DVD shelf? So, a book you wrote. It's pretty well received, huh? What do you have, uh, what do you plan for a follow-up? Well, I've got a great idea for a sci-fi romp that also is a total geek-fest love letter to nerd culture. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what, Ernest? I, I don't feel so good. You must excuse me. Yeah, well, look, we're... I'm going to level with you. Martian is making me look bad, so... Slip this into your drink like the Ayakane powder scene in the classic 80s comedy, The Princess Bride. What is that? Oh, oh God. You toast me with epic awesome sauce? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what are these feelings? I'm I'm angry about a Star Wars movie, but I, I'm in my 40s. That, that shouldn't be possible. I, I should buy the soundtrack to Secret of the Ooze on green vinyl. Blah! Getty Lee must attend con and get epic swag haul. Oh, <laughs> Klein, what have you done? (laughs) I can't have geeks reading a well-written book that's also funny and packs an adventure without relying on a crutch of non-stop pop culture garbage references. Those man-children realize they deserve better. I'm out of a gig. So sorry to do this to you, Andy. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Moon Poon! (laughs) Yeah, the peak is only going to last five to six hours, but... I'm afraid your priorities and sense of humor are going to be as permanently warped as that secret zone in level 1-2 of the original Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> well, have an epic night. Don't shuffle anyone's truffle. Bye! Oh, here he is. Christopher. The man you simply must meet, Andy Weir. Well, nice to meet you, Andy. Uh, what movie should we make together? Kristen Wiig Ghostbusters is worse than Hitler. Hey, Sounds better than Tenet. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's how it happened. It's yeah. It's uh, I mean, shocking it stuff. Plausible. But it's yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, if you can think of a better explanation, I'm sure the dark web would like to hear it. But stay away uh, well, from epic awesome sauce is my uh, my takeaway. Yeah. Well, it's it is like the uh, the moment I think that I don't know where it happened. Maybe the reenactors could work on this as well. When the great you know director and writer Orson Welles met uh, Dean Martin, 
Uh, and uh, Orson Welles was just smitten by it. Didn't work the other way around. Uh, Dean Martin did not make, you know, uh, the definitive Macbeth or anything like that for film. It went the other way. Orson Welles just started appearing on Dean Martin's show, you know, like <laughs> drinking booze out of a coffee cup and yeah. ogling the girls in little bikinis and stuff. <laughs> Orson, please. Yeah. I love this guy. What could I say? Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I think sometimes it's uh, it's... It's fun for people to wallow in that. You sent me the uh, the video of Dean Martin, Orson Welles, and Jimmy Stewart doing a sketch that was essentially like, what if men went to the hair salon? Yes. <laughs> and, you know, just like two of the most famous and beloved Hollywood people. Like, you know, not even like beloved in the sense of like a, a lovable clown, but like, you know, technically masters. Like Jimmy Stewart flying fire pilots, and then they're just sitting with those hair dryer things on them being like... <laughs> It appears that, uh, you know, reading better homes and gardens, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's on YouTube. Go look it up. <laughs> uh, so they continue this meeting. She's emphasized that she is like sort of like she bought her scooter because she needs to make as many deliveries as possible. But she does sort of just sit around and listen to these guys talk for a while. <laughs> and Which is, have you ever invited your, your UPS person in to just like, you know, have a seat. Let me make you some coffee. <laughs> I'm just assuming you're not busy. Um, just come on in. Thanks for this box. Yeah, I don't know if it's Did like... Did you meet my guests? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very strange. It's a standard like college drug dealer thing where it's like, you got to come in and like play Xbox for 15 minutes, otherwise it looks suspicious type of thing. Maybe that's the uh, <laughs> yeah, what they're doing that. here. But it, it, I'm glad he does because it gives us more, uh, more world building. Uh, Tron, the 50-year-old billionaire, Tron vaulted over the back of the couch, parentheses, not as exciting as it sounds, Remember the gravity here. Mm. <laughs> and not only is it over the top, it's like she's lived here for her entire life. She says it, she was born here. Um, like what, what is she, what is her takeaway that makes this, her think this would be impressive to a reader who wasn't born here, you know? Like right. there's no yeah. necessarily, like, you know, I can envision moon, I can envision moon gravity. Like I, I, I've known that since I was six. You think it's kind of neat, but there's no, it just, it doesn't work the other way, I don't think. Like it, It's like you, you wouldn't, um, if you had a sentient fish or something, and then you poured a glass of water in front of the fish, and the fish was like, oh, my God, what is that? That is incredible. Yes. I can't do that again. Show that, that liquid flowing. That's bizarre. But so if you're also, if you're one of the readers here who are like, okay, so the author expects us to, you know, uh, you know blow out of our nose and... Uh, smile wryly at the mention of elon of troyus on the star trek the classic series mm. uh, we have that level of recall and uh filing away nerd bait but that we also can't remember that there's low gravity on the moon like <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh so artemis or, sorry not artemis i keep sure it's call her to. artemis yes yeah. uh jazz uh, gets in a conversation with, uh, you know, the mystery, the mystery man mm -hmm. who's there and is uh, suggest the one who's blown away by the moon and uh, suggests prostitutes <laughs> to him because uh, the, the one sixth, the G, it's uh, great for, for that sex. Yeah, it spices and, things up for if you've been uh, married a long time. And Jin, who has no accent whatsoever, says, I never thought of that. <laughs> lots of lots of prostitutes in Aldrin. If you want to find out more, 
oh, oh, no, not my thing at all. And then this. Yeah. He hadn't expected a woman to recommend hookers. <laughs> Earthers tend to be uptight on the topic, and I've never understood why. It's a service performed for a payment. What's the big deal? Hashtag moon girl boss. Yes, here's the author going, did I just blow your little Puritan mind? Huh? Take off your little buckle shoes, Mr. Puritan. It's so pathetic. It's, yeah, it's really embarrassing. And, and also, just lost in that, lots of prostitutes. Yes. So that's uh, that's what people are, are coming to the moon. They're going to buy some, uh, some, some designer handbags and then uh, go bang hookers. A uh, small town, too, so what percentage of the population? Yeah, let's get ahead of that. There, she says that there's a population of 2,000 people who live on the moon. And I, I, I thought this, too, and a, a listener wrote in, uh, the population of Christmas River, any guesses? <laughs> mm. From uh, Murder in Christmas River, the book yeah, we did no. on Christmas. Small, I'm assuming. 5,030. So wow. well over, near, you know, one and a half times, two and a half times the size of, uh, of the moon. So <laughs> I did not get into maybe later in the series the amount of prostitutes that live and work there. But uh... <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we better read the whole series and find out. Uh, so that's uh, that's different. That's the second mention of that. So, I mean, I check off prostitutes, I'm guessing. Uh, we got more world building, too, because uh, the man, Jin, laughs nervously and changes the subject. So, why is Artemisian money called slugs? And I answered that ahead of time. I said, well, you know, because sci-fi law requires we change things slightly to make them seem cool and different. And Moon moon Bucks was just a little too obvious. So, that's why it's called slugs. Look, she's eating gunk. Why is it called gunk? Like, oh, God. Here we go. (laughs) And uh, they do explain this. I'm not going to read that. You'll have to read the book yourself if you want the uh, um, pointless explanation of why they call that. But he says... uh, Essentially, we're functioning as a bank. You never get away with that on Earth, but this isn't Earth. So I hope I hope that people on the moon are always saying that. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, we, here, I think we get a little uh, Garrett P. service right after this because um, what is Trond Land, Land Tron Tron Landwick? But I don't know. Tron, okay. and Dugnut. Uh, it's like <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, Rich Fuck the Third or whatever. <laughs> uh, brings gin coffee. Jin sipped his coffee and made a face. I've seen it before. Earthers hate our coffee. Physics dictates that it tastes like shit. Okay, well, I believe you. Earth's air is 20% oxygen. The rest is stuff human bodies don't need, like nitrogen and and then a pure long paragraph of why coffee. Belly up to the trough. (laughs) That's what reminded me of, yeah, an XKCD, which would have been done, you know, uh, funny and succinctly. And this is just like, you know, let's, let's uh, you know, slop in this fact that water boils at only 142 degrees Fahrenheit there. And that's why it doesn't taste good. And uh, again, something that would not be like, I've seen it before. I've been around this block. Not my first rodeo. Let me describe it for seven <laughs> minutes now. Uh, it's also just sort of like, I mean, I guess that's that's not like mcdonald's coffee scalding an old woman but like 142 <laughs> degrees is like i don't know is that lukewarm i feel like that's that's hot water i feel like that's hot yeah i mean yeah. whatever anyway we don't need to dwell on that that's yes not important. yes <laughs> um and so essentially there uh he the delivery that she has brought to him is a 24 pack of cuban cigars so i'm glad that that uh whole sort of um 
they're the best because you can't have them. Uh, mythos extends uh, into the year 2082. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they introduce um, like a system of airlocks and stuff because she still she stays there as they start smoking, and it introduces the uh, uh, the Chekhov's uh, pressure loss, I guess, as well as Chekhov's uh, fear of fire here because um, mm-hmm. the smoking is like a big problem um, because of all the oxygen they're pumping in or something like that. Yeah, I think I, I, you know, I once lived in an apartment where they said, you know, no, you can't have grills on the deck. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, no, the fire is a, an, an issue here. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you uh, drink too many mar- margs on the the deck and pass out in your folding chair. Uh, right. You're going to burn the deck above <laughs> you. So, yeah, understood. Uh, but in the middle of that, which you know, we didn't have to be told that you can't smoke cigars on the moon, but whatever. Sure. Uh, in the middle of that, we get this. Uh, what have we here? Jin asked. Tron flashed a shit-eating grin and opened the box. Wow, uh, it's back. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's uh, the uh, Klein flashbacks going through his system. Ugh. I've, I mean, for the record, I I absolutely hate the saying. I, mm-hmm. I hate it, hate it, hate it. But the fact that anyone would ever repeat it after hearing it once. <laughs> true <laughs> uh, come on man uh but yeah it's in a book it is it's a uh, it's a cliche that uh doesn't need to be <laughs> i wonder what the origins are but it didn't need to persist you know 60 years into the future no uh but he has a but trond has a special air filtration system in here he says you know through a shit-eating grin so i don't know how that works <laughs> i have a special air filtration system in here. <laughs> Um, that, that's all I have. These, do you have anything else in the actual chapter? Nope. Ends with that, with the grin. And then these chapters so far, everyone in our section, the first three, end with a series of letters uh, between Jazz and a boy named Kelvin who lives in Kenya, and they sort of pen pal back and forth. And, um, Oof, these are tough going, man. <laughs> did yeah. you, uh, I, I, I'm skimming on these. Yeah, I mean, there's some funny stuff in there, but I did miss something key at the end of it until readers, uh, listeners wrote in. But uh, yeah, this is where they introduce Gunk. Um, we get a good moment. I think they're like 12, 13 here, maybe even younger, 10. But uh, Kelvin yeah. gives us a good like turn to the camera moment in his first letter. He says, I'm Kelvin. Oh, he's, he's nine. I live with my mom and dad. I have three sisters. They're jerks, and the two older ones beat me up. But I'm getting bigger, and someday I'll beat them up. I'm just kidding, turns to camera. Boys should never hit girls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nine-year-old pen pal, that's good. Um, and my other, my other takeaway was that uh, he writes about how good their internet is here. So he, uh, they have no lag, which is very important. No lag at all, yeah. That's, that's, that's very important. Um, yeah, and these, for some, uh, I again, I assume these are going to be um, uh, important. But uh, after every chapter, yeah, they they grow up a couple of years and show the letters. Oh, yep. I don't know where this is leading. Oh, yeah. I mean, I assume I, he's going to come to the moon care. or something. But like, yeah. Yes. But yeah, she also says that gunk, yeah, which she talks about, keeps going on, is a dried algae and flavor extract, and that's something that they grow on the moon, and it's gross. So it's their own little soylent green or whatever you eat um, uh, in a, in a sci fi book. Yeah, and also she, he also they, they've doled out information about her sporadically. Like they had one section where it's like I put my hair in a ponytail, um, and that was the first time you learned she was a woman. And then he says something about like you know you, you Saudis like don't know anything. So then you learn that she's um, you know her her father was from Saudi Arabia, um, 
And that's just a, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's important, but also probably not. And I think she says later that, uh, all the all the Saudi Arabians become welders. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the uh, the ethnic stereotyping there. Yeah, that's just what happens. Weird ethnic okay. stereotypes of the future. <laughs> yes. Well, let's move on to uh, uh, chapter two. We can do fanfic after the next one, I think. Okay. Um, oh God, I forgot I have to do fanfic. Oh boy, oh, yeah, yeah. It's gonna I'm going to eat it on this. Quite yeah. special. <laughs> um, chapter two. Um, Jeez, it starts with uh, uh, her picking up a package um, to drive another like courier package somewhere. Uh, the package is approximately a hundred kilograms. No problem for me. I can lift twice that without breaking a sweat. Not many Earth gals can say that. Sure, <laughs> they have six times the gravity to deal with, but that's their problem. <laughs> oh my god! What is the Stop. like? Is it going to pay off, or is it just a weird? Uh, I mean. Is it going to end with her, you know, lifting a car like Superman to free somebody? So, so the author's on a call with Matt Damon and his agent. Like, you know, we like the third act. We're thinking of this. Like, hang on, I just got to make a reference to the moon having one six. Go, go ahead, guys. I got it. And then forgets that he's already done it. I don't yeah, know. I mean, yeah, maybe if you're writing it serially, like on a on a blog, that could be something that would happen if you didn't go back and look at what you wrote a month ago. But seems unlikely for a guaranteed best-selling book follow-up that's going to have an editor attached to it. Uh, but uh, thank goodness uh, Royal Canadian Mounted Police still exist in the future <laughs> of the moon in the form of Rudy Dubois. <laughs> uh, seriously good-looking man. Uh, here we go. I want your honest reaction to this next sentence. He's two meters tall and blonde as a Hitler wet dream. My reaction, I'll tell you what I wrote down. I wrote down, reconsider, sir. <laughs> I mean, that is clearly the red pen through that. Hachi machi. Even we... from the from the perspective of a, a, a person reading today, however, that being a, a 20 three-year-old girl in 2082 making that reference is just a, <laughs> yes. also impressive and it says like you said he quit the royal canadian man of police 10 years ago to become artemis's head of security but he still wears the uniform every day and it looks good at him um so he's dressed as uh, dudley do right he's right? dressed as dudley do right he has every day a red jacket with uh epaulets i always get those epaulets uh -huh. right yep um, the, like sort white, of uh, riding pants, tall boots, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's not just like you know that's not the guy at a, uh, you know the at the loony bin, you know, one floor over the cuckoo's nest. They're like, he, we let him wear it. He still thinks he's in the thing. Right. It's, it's very sad uh, type of thing. It's like, nope, it's the head of security who is very much the head of security. He does not take a. Uh, he takes it very seriously and doles out brutal punishment to people. <laughs> that that when when that comes up, that was so strange. Like they're calling him Mister Do Right again. So glad that that uh, <laughs> carries on. Oh yeah, right then. Yeah, she calls him that. Yeah, travels up to the moon. Everyone knows the reference, especially twenty-year-old uh, girls who have been <laughs> raised on the moon. Um, and uh, yeah, that that is just bizarre. And yeah. then the character, the turnaround on the character is like, wait a minute, this guy is Joe Pesci from Goodfellas? <laughs> yeah, very much. What happened? 
Yeah, so oh. he he walks into like a monitoring um, hall uh, where people where all the all the monitors. So the welders are all Saudis, and the everyone who monitors things are Vietnamese. Vietnamese, yes. <laughs> and there's a guy, Mister Doan, um, I think, or Mister Bin, um, whose wife uh, showed up in the hospital. She he had obviously um, you know, beaten her like severely, and he, the guy's like, "Yeah, she's clumsy." She walked into the door, and then the guy is essentially like. Well, you know, she fractured her jaw, so like, bam! And he breaks his jaw. He's like, she had cracked ribs, so he kicks him in the ribs. <laughs> he, like, chokes him because he had marks on her neck, all while he's dressed as a Canadian Mountie. <laughs> so this so this guy getting beaten up is, you know, he's like, I hear your wife had a black eye this morning. <laughs> like, what? what is happening? Like, wham! Oh, my God! <laughs> yeah, it hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> He says that he's like already thinks uh, you know he's got a concussion, and I'll just assume he does because I just beat the shit out of him so much. <laughs> and at the end of all this, he's he's beaten this guy up, crumpled to the ground, and uh, she says, um, his uh, she talks about the one time he restrained her. His grip was like an iron vice. I still think about that sometimes late at night. So she's getting turned on watching the whole thing go down. <laughs> <laughs> And but, but no, uh, this is also one of those sketches where like, wait, wait, what was this? <laughs> one time he restrained me with one hand while typing on his gizmo with the other. I was trying really hard to get away, too. His grip was like an iron vice. <laughs> Stay right there, young lady. <laughs> what is... This is so strange. <laughs> yeah, I think that he's been trying to like catch her, you know, smuggling things. He knows about it, type of thing. So yeah, maybe that was one of those. But, but uh, just in the middle of that, just like beating the crap out of her. <laughs> like something from Breaking Bad or something. Yeah, you know, where exactly. like wow, unexpected but strangely satisfying in a kind of gross way. You know, like yeah, the guy deserved it. But uh, you know, we were just talking yeah. about. Uh, you know how many how many moon women Captain Kirk banged? So it does sort of come out of uh, <laughs> it's a hard thing to square. But he, yes. we're, we're then reminded that uh, the the man he he beat crumpled to the ground. He tried to get to his hands and knees, but couldn't. When you can't get it to the ground, when you can't get off the ground in the moon's gravity, you are seriously out. Of it. Oh my god! <laughs> like, that, that's just, that's here. That's just here. This is all you've ever known. Ah. <laughs> uh. Great, and uh, she uh, she ends up saying that's just how justice works around here. We don't have jails or jails or fines. If you commit a serious crime, we exile you to Earth. For everything else, there's Rudy. <laughs> so yeah, maybe he's got an assistant who dresses like a mayor cheese or something, and he's the real. <laughs> he does the wet work for him. You know, he's the guy that like you know rolls the body up in the carpet and dissolves it with lime or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, you know, like a noir, the special delivery was the guy he was going to, you know, jaw, whose jaw he was going to break. And uh, the delivery is to bring this guy to the to the hospital, to the doctor. <laughs> so very, uh, very, you know, noir. Like I, I had to I had to stop. I just swing by and and pick up a package. Turns out the package was yeah. had a broken jaw. You know, <laughs> very nice. Yeah, but how is she going to carry this guy? He's, he weighs a hundred kilo. Oh, right. right oh, <laughs> that's she's on the moon. Um, uh, what else? Uh, oh, so then they essentially we get a an action scene here. Do you have anything before that? Um, no, it's it gets right to this uh, the glass fire. Yeah, which yeah. is uh, it's, it's it's sort of is preceded by Artemis doesn't have a fire department. We have volunteers. 
but smoke and fire are so deadly here, the volunteers have to know how to breathe with tanks. Sort of makes you think that those three sentences back to back make them reconsider. Um, you know, by the time you get to the third sentence, like maybe maybe we should have a fire department instead of volunteers. But <laughs> right. I don't know. That's just me. It's like, <laughs> it seems to be the main checkoff thing looming. But uh, uh, so so Bob is there, and I didn't have any real like. It seemed to be like somewhat of an interesting sequence uh, that uh, wasn't super funny. They they there's a a glass plant or something. And they have yeah, they they make a they make a tunnel to to rescue the workers because the tunnel will have oxygen in it, but you can't let the tunnel be exposed. The oxygen be exposed to the fire, but uh, right, and they they spray their own oxygen, displace oxygen or something because the fires. There, I don't know. Anyway, it was yeah, yeah, he was just shoveling the the nerd bait without a lot <laughs> of uh, without a lot of jokes there. But at the end of it, the um, uh, the the crowd files out. Here, here you go. To the, to their credit, the workers filed out in a fast, controlled line. My respect for Queensland glass went up a notch. What what was it before that? <laughs> before question. the glass fire. What, what what would you say your level of respect is? Do you fill out a card every time you get home and like? Uh, uh, let's see. How do how much do I respect Dale? Uh, not that much. How much do I respect the Queensland Glass Factory? I give them a five. Yeah, uh, they make a quality uh, bottle. So I mean, you know, I, it's yeah. not like they're out there on the front lines or anything. They're not. Uh, but you know, yeah, I guess I sort of respect them. I don't. <laughs> Wait, look at the way they file out of a fire. You know what? I'm going to give them a seven today. That's good. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I, I feel like that was sort of just like a that would make a good good scene in a movie. Probably it was somewhat inventive, so credit where it's due. Except I never like in a movie where uh, faces are covered, true face shields. It's like underwater sequences. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. You know, it's just. Uh, you know, speaking of having seen water already, yes, we've seen water. We know how it works underwater. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess they just probably, I feel like the Martian also did that, sort of like the inside of Tony Stark's helmet, that sort of view. Yeah, um, yeah, where they, they they put a light on the face, which you would find extremely annoying did you actually have it on. Like, <laughs> Stop shining that in my eyes. Uh, so after the, she rescues all these people, calls it a day, she heads to uh, Hartnell's pub for some moon boozing. And uh, this is sort of reminded me of the Christmas River Town. Um, she has her usual, um, as usual, seats, usual drink. She <laughs> describes the vibe as being uh, alcohol and silence, completely asexual. No one hit on people at Hartnell's. And I'm guessing that will not be respected by someone at some point in time. Um, and uh, Hartnell's was, so this is the, um, uh, in It's a Wonderful Life, look, but we serve hard drinks for people who want to get drunk fast. Hartnell's was for drinking, and you could get any drink you wanted as long as it was beer. Boom! So a joke for the Henry Ford crowd there. That's a, <laughs> that's the Model T, right? I mean, well, it's, and you, you can and get you any color, color you want as long as it's black. Amazing. I assume that's what the reference is to, and it's like, wow, the moon... Takes its references from very, very old stuff. They're starting from scratch up there, so they, you know, all references start from scratch unless they don't. Um, and and unless yeah, so include... I guess all stuff is new to them. So it's like that's amazing. That is hilarious. I'm putting that in. A... <laughs> What's this fly doing in my beer here? <laughs> Appears to be the backstroke. 
Uh, it's a Wonderful Life, though. That was the the movie with the guy from the uh, Dean Martin show, right? From yeah. the Dean Martin show, yeah. yeah. That's where you recognize him from, yeah. Uh, so she in- enjoys a reconstituted German beer and does a little uh, looking into the um, what what the uh, Trond was sharing with Jin, the mysterious package. It was it had Zaffo written on it, Z A F O. Mm-hmm. So she says she brought up a web browser on my gizmo and searched for Zaffo. It was blah blah blah, a conjugation of something. And I was like, so when was there resistance from a lot of people when you just decided, hey, everybody, you know, your iPhone, the thing you carry around in your pocket everywhere and we've had for decades, we're, st- we're going to call those gizmos now. <laughs> yes. It's the exact same thing. You pay people with them. You type. You can web browse. But now they're gizmos because we're on the moon. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and this was written when, you know, tapping your phone to pay and everything already existed. So there's nothing here. <laughs> That's new, but we call them gizmos. <laughs> Named after the uh, lead character from the classic 80s uh, horror comedy Gris- Gremlins, directed by right. Joe Dante. Uh, but the uh, the bartender, who is, what's his name? Billy. Okay. Uh, Billy is the, the type of character that if you gave a a guy who'd done maybe three stints at community theater, you gave him 30 seconds to come up with a bartender okay. character and then he went uh oh, yeah give me a second yeah here we go evening love <laughs> and there was a fire today and you went in <laughs> like yeah okay all right next please uh, yes. but that's billy <laughs> well, all right, i got some i got some object work here look at me i'm mopping the bar down here now i'm uh pouring a beer from the tap. Look at me it's... polishing this glass here eh? i just did the pouring a beer thing and i ha- held my whole fist oh boy yeah so billy is a is a real treat he gives her, and what does he do oh he gives, he, uh, yeah. he gives her a uh a bourbon or a scotch i guess that uh that uh, he had someone had given him and then he reconstituted or something yeah she had and smuggled this, him the ethanol for it yes and the, here's the response i spat it out in disgust it tasted like satan's flaming asshole <sighs> again the Two broke girls writers came in and <laughs> yes. handed them a joke. Yes. <laughs> this is one we'll, we'll never use, but maybe you could put it in your book. Uh, yeah, but they can't. You know, that's a network TV show. It's purely relegated to a, uh, uh, you know, internet blog, a tweet, you know, eat a flaming bag of dicks type of comment. Like, it's just, it's it's from that same uh, same linguistic tree. Just terrible. But in case you were, so again, just the perfect amount of humor, whatever. Uh, Billy, I've swallowed better tasting stuff that came out of people. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> Just a heavy sigh, hand, uh, head in hands, uh, face palm kind of a moment. I hope it turns out in the back of the book that she's got some really like sick phlegm fetish or something like that. <laughs> That's what she's talking about, not the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, just deep sighs are, are what's happening here. But there's there's still some delightful stuff like this uh, this part. Um, remember, Ready Player One had the woman in the house coat. I think. Yes. This, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's uh, she's talking about sleeping in her. Um, if, once she gets enough money, she's moving into her own place. She wanted to sleep in her coffin, and uh, which Ready Player Two had coffins too. Remember spider coffins? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but she says, "I wanted my own bathroom. Doesn't seem like a big deal, but it is. I realized that around the hundredth time, I had to walk down a public hallway in my nighty to take a midnight piss." 
So she is sleeping in a nighty in her in her moon. That's just an important uh, important detail. Yeah. What is the uh, what is the process of taking off that moon suit and then getting into a nighty? <laughs> I don't know, but I, I'm sure that if uh, if Dale is watching her silhouette through the moon window, he, you know, it's one of those uh, attractive. Uh, you know, like, oh, she, she's putting on her nighty now. Uh, like, if only I could see more than a silhouette here. Uh, damn these moon windows. Uh, yes, you know, Henry Ford and nighties. I'm really <laughs> into the whole thing. And arguments about Star Trek. Uh, you mentioned, by the way, and I don't want to let it pass, you said she's she's uh, making some good money now and she wants to get a better place. <laughs> oh, man. So, just channeling uh, Mark from the room there. Uh, See, and that would be amazing if it was like, you know, in the year 2082, like the room is like the one thing yes. that has survived from Earth culture in the uh, in the aughts. Like that would be uh, quite a bold decision to make. But uh, Yeah, like a crappy acronym for the kind of material that you store movies on. All we had was one ASR. The ASR only had three movies on it. And then The Room, (laughs) Uncle Buck 2, and... Oh, man. See? Take some bolder risks, you folks. Everyone's still arguing about Star Trek 150 years in the future. Um, She she pays um, Billy using her gizmo, and that's where I did the over-under on gizmos. What do you think is that? uh, What do you think the mark is there? Because we've had a lot of them already. Oh, I'm going to say 35. 186. Oh, my God. So Gizmo's <laughs> factor huge into the future of the book. <laughs> um, uh, but she's she has to leave the bar because she's heading back to Tron's house. She's got a message like, meet me right now. It's important. Um, and we didn't mention that when she goes to Tron's, he has like a burly Russian housekeeper who always acts like it's the first time she's ever seen jazz. And this time is no different. Uh, Irina opened the door and frowned at me like I just pissed in her borscht. <laughs> I, I actually wrote that down as maybe that's the thing that comes out of humans that she's tasted before. Because <laughs> she has done this to borscht. So she's like, well, I can't throw it out. Wow. Oh, man. But again, that's another... Uh, uh, Turn a phrase that I guess we've all heard, but no one would ever actually use. So just to to clear this up, we've got the Vietnamese in, in the factory they, getting the they shit monitor kicked the control out of room. Yeah, they beat their wives and monitor the control room. We have a uh, Cockney gent running the the, uh, the bar. Uh, he makes his own whiskey, though, you know. And then uh, she goes over and sees this tot who's a stiff Russian woman who eats borscht. <laughs> For the uh, rich uh, Danish or Swedish? Danish. Uh, Swedish, I think. One of the two. I don't know. Okay. Um, uh, Sorry. Sure. I'm not con- I'm not confusing the two. I just don't remember. Who? Uh, but so, yeah. Anyway, and he was smuggling with weird... the guy from Hong Kong. From Hong Kong. And uh, there's a Canadian Mountie who's uh, and a Canadian bloodthirsty uh, LAPD member. <laughs> the moon in 2080, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and one more, because we get Fidelis Ngugi. Uh, it was from Kenya. She was the Kenyan Minister of Finance. Uh, yes, and we get some more. Uh, we get some more uh, hashtag Moon Girl Boss here. It says uh, Kenya had one and only one natural resource to offer space companies: the equator. Spacecraft launched from the equator could take full advantage of Earth's rotation to save fuel. But Inu, I don't. I'm, what do you think that is? Inugugi? Nugi? Nugi? Anyway, uh, Fidelis realized they could offer something more: policy. Western nations drown commercial space companies in red tape. 
Fidelis said, fuck that. How about we don't? I'm paraphrasing here. <laughs> oh, you go, girl. <laughs> Lean in, you boss. <laughs> and then the next sentence is amazing. Uh, God only knows how she convinced 50 corporations from 34 countries to dump billions of dollars into creating KSC. But she did it. <laughs> Just like the Prince fight in Ready Player Two. Yes. At some point, she don't know what happened, but when she did, she had convinced uh, 50 corporations to fund the Kenyan space company. <laughs> What's that you say? Favoring a single company with special laws isn't fair? Tell that to the East India Tea Company. (laughs) That's the one I triple underlined. (laughs) Wait a minute. That's your reference? She's a 20-year-old smuggler on the moon. She's very familiar with monopolies from the 1600s. My God. Incredible stuff. Incredible. (laughs) Oh, that is amazing. And but yeah, so she's uh, she's up there. She's run uh, Artemis for over twenty years as sort of the de facto president, I think. But uh, and she admit Jazz uh, a long time ago. She says, uh, "I'm Jasmine Bashara. I know what." She smiled. We have met before. I hired your father to install an emergency air shelter in my home. He brought you along. That was back when the administrator's quarters were in Armstrong Bubble. Wow, I don't remember that at all. You were very young. Such an adorable child, hanging on her father's every word. You made quite an impression on me 20 years ago somehow. So, <laughs> Yeah, and so she came for dinner with the uh, the millionaire, the bill- billion, whatever. Trond, yeah. Yes, the uh, slug, slug-lair, whatever. Um, and, uh, and she invites her, her, or he invites the smuggler in to meet the, the president of the moon, <laughs> who's just like, oh, I know you, girl. Like, yeah. wow, you're amazing. And then you, Irina, the uh, borscht piss woman, mm-hmm. uh, gives her the, uh, like, <laughs> That's wow. her full in the character name, I think. Yes. That's a... <laughs> uh, she, uh, a hint of admiration on the grumpy old Russian's face. I guess even Irina had her limits. You can't hate everyone. And so, yeah, so the president of the moon leaves, and then uh, our smuggler, our 20-year-old smuggler, says to the billionaire, Holy shit, dude, I said to Trond. Pretty cool, huh? So there, there you go. That's the exchange. <laughs> Incredible. So the character's coming into focus here for you? They really are. Uh, the character. It's all the same character. <laughs> One of them, I guess, is just slightly more violent than the other. But we do get another character with a, uh, a, a unfortunate, tragic backstory here. It's another detail that's been doled out because I think Tron had his daughter at the other meeting. But he says, time for you to get to bed. We have to discuss business. Um, and she says... Uh, he says, don't be in such a hurry. You'll be a cutthroat business asshole soon enough. Just like my dad, she smiled. She reached to the floor and picked up her crutches. What? And it says, the car accident that killed her mother had paralyzed Lini for life. Tron had money coming out of his ass, but nothing could buy back his daughter's ability to walk. Or could it? On Earth, she was confined to a wheelchair, but on the moon, she could easily move around on crutches. So I was hoping, I'm hoping that's how he... Described his, uh, you know, as the doctor's like, we'll never be able to walk again. Damn it, doctor! I've got money coming out of my ass! You make that girl walk! I already work around the clock! <laughs> if that was the third movie on the uh, on the ASM system, that was yeah. Harrison Ford and Brendan Fraser in Extraordinary Measures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fact that you could pull out the cast and the title that quickly is a testament. We to... were discussing it within the past I two don't... weeks. I know. I did. I set the the uh, clip that uh, that everyone should watch that movie and get to the moment where uh, 
Brandon Fraser turns his head and oddly says, we're going to get you the special medicine you need, honey. <laughs> Everyone I've showed it to has gone, what in the hell is happening? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Brendan Fraser is Tron coming off his big Oscar win. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. The accent. Yeah. Uh, so what is Tron brought here for? Um, he has a scheme. Um, yeah, this is a long scene. This is, I think this is supposed to be like... Uh, you know, David Mamet dialogue in the Chinese uh, restaurant across the street from the business office or something. Like, you know, because they're just poor in the scotch, which is amazing. <laughs> this this guy goes to the cre- liquor credenza. Glad that credenzas exist <laughs> on the moon. Like, hey, I'm going to the moon. You mind if I throw my liquor credenza in the back of the van there? <laughs> yeah, sure. Sounds good, man. Yeah. You know uh, what I heard from the moon? They don't want you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he goes back to that liquor credenza like every three sentences. I was trying That's to. Amazing. I was thinking about yeah, trying to say them out loud to see how long these drinks were taking. I think it would have been more than the uh, when I would do a power hour in college where you take a shot of beer every minute. I think he was going at a faster <laughs> rate than that, but with scotch. So I think so. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, this is his. Uh, so I, I, who's who's he supposed to be like? Uh, I don't know, Richard Branson when he was young or something. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and he's inviting his uh, the person who smuggled in <laughs> uh, some uh, Cuban cigars, which doesn't even, it seems like you could just pay your mailman to do that. It doesn't right. seem like it's a thing that that's uh, that big a deal. But invites her in and thinks of her for his scheme to uh, to take over the oxygen industry on the moon. Yep, so the, try to describe this in the smallest way possible but it's like there's an aluminum factory they are they make a byproduct from their aluminum smelting which is oxygen and that allows them to operate essentially for free you know i guess it's like um they get tax credits or they get you know it's like if you have solar on your house they make all this oxygen the government buys it so they can continue to operate for free or something like that right his desire is to sabotage the aluminum thing uh move on in and take over the oxygen um, development for the moon because I guess that's super lucrative. It's also you know uh, she you know he he did something and I was like this sounds like Mr. Burns and her next line is essentially like you sound like a super villain so it's like, right. um, <laughs> and uh, so yeah he wants her to sabotage these like harvesters I think that are uh, and the whole reason he's able to pull this off is because for the past year he's been hoarding oxygen he's been like offloading excess oxygen and is hoarding it in tanks he's got in a warehouse or something like that. Which he, and then they quickly, she's like, isn't that dangerous? Like, I'm glad you asked. Sidebar, <laughs> science sidebar. Like, yeah. oh God. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even think about it, but okay, I'll read four paragraphs of how you built the oxygen tanks. Yeah. And he ends up by saying, no harm can come to the city. So the, the Jenga tower of our checkoff things here are just uh, completely nuts. Right. Oh yeah. He steeples his fingers as he's explaining the, uh, the plan to her. Yep. <laughs> God. Here's a question. This is one where people, you could laugh at me because I'm an idiot. What is this reference? Um, he says he can't compete with the free aluminum making oxygen. It's not fair. And she says, oh, poor billionaire. Maybe you should have some moors installed so you can pine on them. What is that a reference to? Where is that? Uh, he's explaining the plan and says, as long as they keep making oxygen for the city, that's right. And power is the most expensive part of smelting. There's no way I can compete. It's not fair. It's like right above him steepling his fingers and explaining his plans. Maybe you should have some moors installed so you can pine on them. I googled pining on the moors, moors. I, I couldn't figure it out. 
How are you spelling more? I'm trying M-O-O-R. to find it. Oh. I assumed it was some old poetry thing or something. The Scottish Moors? Yeah. <laughs> the English Moors? I, I think I also, I forgot to type that down, but I think I had the same question. Okay. I remember that, and, and I just went, I, I assume that's a... Uh, a typo or something in my uh, in my ebook, ah, so I didn't, I didn't give it any more thought than uh, that. Well, where you have bested us, I doffed my flat cap to you, sir. <laughs> I do. Ah, <laughs> oh, you have pissed in my borscht, sir. I tip my cap. <laughs> oh, so yeah, sabotage plan, and uh, I mean nothing, nothing else to that for me. The chapter ends on quite a good note. So, if uh, do you have anything else? Uh, no, I'm just very, very excited about the uh, discussion of welding guilds at the uh, the end of that. It was uh, fascinating. Wow, they're mentioning guilds, so maybe you'll get another one-word sentence that just says dicks. Yeah, That was the tour guide guild before. Um, well, here's how the chapter ends. She's uh, she's She smells <laughs> bullshit in the air. Maybe it's because yes. he's been eating shit and grinning about it. But uh, uh, it was my ass on the line if something went wrong, not his. She doesn't want to get exiled to Earth. She says, she shows this in. I probably couldn't stand up on Earth, let alone live there. I've been in lunar gravity since I was six. <laughs> no, I was a smuggler, not a saboteur. And something smelled off about the whole thing. Let's read this. Okay? Yep. I'm sorry, but this isn't my thing. You'll have to find someone else. I'll give you a million slugs. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> and now Dean Martin's going to come out and sing That's a Mole Sock it to me? <laughs> <laughs> my god yeah exactly incredible true uh i'm not going in there um type of thing <laughs> uh the next letters i only yeah have... this this is the welding guild stuff I'm, i jumped ahead oh okay. Uh, yeah they just go back and forth about why don't you you know become a they're older than does she say they're 16 or something or maybe that's the next junior one. high so they've gotten uh, oh okay a bit older right. uh she's yeah. she's criticizing kelvin for trying to get into the chess club and one of the reasons she thinks he might not be able to make it is because they limit the number of pocket protectors so the yeah. uh the uh, revenge of the nerd uh dynamic uh has has maintained a uh, hundred years into the future here, I, I challenge you to be interested in this or listen to this. I'm going to read it anyway. Dad's having problems with the Welders Guild. Around here, you can either freelance or be part of the guild. And the guild doesn't like freelancers. Dad doesn't have a problem with guilds as a rule, but he says the Welders Guild is mobbed up. <laughs> uh, they're all owned by the Saudis. Why Saudi? I don't know. Almost all the welders here are Saudis. We're just the people who ended up controlling the welding industry. Anyway, the guild forces people to join with bullshit tactics. And then there's more references to guilds. And then uh, her uh, her uh, interlocutor says, that's too bad about the welder's guild. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, 13-year-olds, I think, are doing this. Yes. I'm not talking about the uh, equivalent of, you know... Uh, nirvana <laughs> whatever i was into in middle school like or just being horny in general and are they um so this is pen pal stuff right so uh, is she typing it on a gizmo and sending it how, how is this i assume she's typing it on a gizmo because yeah he referenced the lack of lag that he had on the kenyan internet so i i do not think they are actually sending letters back and forth okay all right uh, that, I, that would right? be 
That would be very funny. That would cost a lot of money. <laughs> yes. My darling jazz. It is with heavy heart that I take pen in hand. But, uh, you know, when every time I, if I search in my Gmail, which I've had since 2005 probably, uh, yeah. you know, if I search for something and go back and I find an email from like 2007, I'm like, holy shit, I used to write like long emails to my parents, like emails to, you know, friends from college and high school. You just have paragraphs about what was going on. And now it's just, you know, I got a text today from, from friends that was just like Barry Springer. B-U-R-Y, because Jerry yeah. Springer died. And I'm like, yes. oh, that's, you know, that's how I keep in touch with this friend now. <laughs> like, But, like, so that comes back into vogue in 2080, is that these uh, these teenagers who I would assume would be comp- communicating entirely by, like, virtual emojis, where you just think the emoji and it sends it to them, or, you know, Snapchat sure. pictures of their faces and reactions. Like, they're no, they're sending, yeah, they're sending uh, Sullivan Ballou letters from uh, Ken Burns' Civil War. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm old enough to remember the the awkward transition to the email thing where you like I was taught to write letters, you know, and well, this is a business letter, so okay. you need to. But uh, you quickly realize, well, it's just email. So and this person is not, you know, like dear Mister Johnson, <laughs> like it, he's not dear to me. <laughs> and it's very it was very odd, but it, like I also just want to don't want to like write someone and go, hey man, how's it going, you know? Yeah. So it was very awkward, and then finally we all settled on a, on a way to just like just just information and nothing more, and we're fine. Right. Yeah. But nope. They... Sincerely yours. <laughs> really? They, they still use proper capitalization. There's no lol or omg. So it's uh, you know, things go in waves, I guess. Yeah. Well, again, the, she puts a Henry Ford joke in, and he's like, "I love it, love it. Keep them coming." <laughs> she also says, uh, "Trust me on this. I'm a girl, and if I was getting an email from an anonymous pen pal that I'd never seen a picture of, that would be the most hundred percent red flag that they were not a girl." <laughs> right. <laughs> Catfishing ahoy. Oh boy, sorry. This it's typing is hard. What with my chest being so <laughs> voluptuous. Can I get a picture? Oh, the camera on my gizmo isn't working. It's uh, I don't have the uh, gizmo plus. I just have. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, that's all I got for that. Uh, remind me to tell you a joke I just thought of off the air once we. Uh, uh... Okay. All right. <laughs> then we'll decide whether that's a uh, a mini after, sure, after the yeah. fact. Okay. <laughs> um. Uh, so let's do some uh, real or fanfic now. Ooh. Fanfic. All right, so this is real or fanfic uh, submitted by our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com, 372 pages. Mike, we hit 1,000 Patreon supporters last week. Oh, I know. We have to schedule. Our... It's been a long time coming. And yes, during Gump and Company, we promised we would watch Forrest Gump with them. So, uh, yeah, we got to make that happen. Got to figure out how to make that happen. But uh, very exciting. We're very grateful. Um, Gump, notwithstanding. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> no, join, that's very cool. Join yes. in the fun over there because that's, yeah, four digits. That's a lot of digits. And uh, yeah, you can still uh, still find out when we're going to do it. There's still time. I don't think we're going to be able to record that. So one time only event. Um but anyway, our Patreon supporters send in uh, passages that are either later from Artemis, real passages, or fanfic they've written. Or one listener pointed out that there is actual Artemis fanfic out there, which is how this whole thing started. We found Ready Player One real fanfic and would read that to people. Um, but that's not allowed, right? You can't just send in someone else's fanfic. 
I mean, we did that with. I think you can. I think you can. I did. Someone said in one. I did not use it because it. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be as tricky. <laughs> okay. Um, but so yeah, I don't know how much Artemis fanfic there is out there. Maybe it's uh, maybe there's a ton. But uh, you had a very strong performing uh, performance in uh, Edison's Conquest of Mars. Uh, we covered it in a bonus episode on on Patreon. But you had your highest, I think, total um, in a long, long time, if not ever, and upped your percentage by several points. So. Um, well, I think I'm just hoping that uh, the moon is my uh, my lucky star, oh, so to it speak. Could be. And, uh, we'll see. Okay, so these are going to be five passages. They could all be real. They could all be fanfic or somewhere in the between. Uh, number one, Dale set my helmet on a bench, then took my hand and unclamped the seals of the glove. He rotated the glove at the wrist and pulled it off. You went too far this time, Jazz. Way too far. You're going to lecture me on morality? He shook his head. Are you ever going to let that go? Why should I? He rolled his eyes. Tyler's gay, Jazz. Gay as Oscar Wilde wearing sequins walking a pink poodle with a tiara on his head. <laughs> the, the poodle has a tiara? No, I meant Oscar Wilde. Right, right. Anyway, that makes more sense. Fuck you. Dale groaned. It was never going to work for you two. Never. And that makes it okay for you to fuck my boyfriend? Whoa. All right, that is so bizarre. <laughs> it is it's either the cleverest thing in the world to to use the uh, Oscar Wilde reference. <laughs> and everything. I, all right, I'm going to bite. I'm going to say that's real. Wow, wow. All right, number two. Raj and I heard of the arriving tourists onto the Apollo Eleven visitors into the Apollo Eleven visitors center's gift store. All right, everyone. I called out in my friendliest tour guide voice regurgitating the script I learned an hour before. May I introduce you to Gizmo? Raj started the holographic projector. An anthropomorphic Gizmo materialized in front of the tour group and began speaking in a cartoony voice. Hi, I'm Gizmo. I'm one of the most amazing devices ever invented. Why, I can do almost anything. That was my cue. Gizmo, what can you do? I asked, waiting for the AI hologram to respond. I am the ultimate personal assistant. I can tell you the time and when your next engagement is coming up. I can help you get where you want to go. I can make calls, transfer money, and even open doors. Why, I can even make julienne fries. Ugh. <laughs> so, wow, speaking of, you know, Clippy and Bob. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Holy cow. All right, well, now I'm confused. People are being very, very devious with this. I, uh, I'm just going to say fanfic. Okay. Uh, let's see. Number three. Where are you? The window near our table was shattered. A few jagged spikes of glass stuck out from the frame. We don't have safety glass here. Importing polyvinyl butriol is too expensive. (laughs) So our windows are good old-fashioned neck-slicing death traps. Hey, if you like to play life safe, don't live on the moon. An American tourist in front of me nibbled on a gunk bar and craned his neck to see over the crowd. Only Americans wear Hawaiian shirts on the moon. What happened, I asked. Not sure, he said. Some guy kicked out the window and jumped through. It's three stories to the ground. Think he's dead? Lunar gravity, I reminded him. But it's like 30 feet. Lunar grav... Never mind. Was the guy dressed in a mountie uniform? You mean bright red clothes and a weird hat? That's the ceremonial uniform, I said. I meant a duty uniform. Light shirt, dark pants with a yellow stripe. Oh, Han Solo pants. Yeah, he had those on. Oh, wait, wait, sorry, sorry. Okay, thanks. Han Solo's pants have a red stripe, and it's not even a stripe. It's a bunch of dashes. 
Some people have no education. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I, I I hate one of two people, either the author of that <laughs> or the actual author. Now, okay. Um, uh, I'm gonna say fanfic. Okay. Too much, too much of a moon gravity. Anyway, uh, let's see. Number four, jazz. I turned off my torch and stepped away from the harvester. Trond was the only one who should know I was here, but that wasn't his voice. I tried to calculate how long it would take me to reach Trigger and get the hell out of there, and if I could make it before this guy caught me. It's me! We met at Tron's place? I turned around and saw he was telling the truth. He was the guy from Hong Kong with the mysterious box. What was he doing here? I started to put away my gear. Don't stop on my account! (laughs) I was enjoying the view! I smirked as much as I didn't want to be a welder, I knew how good I looked welding an acetylene torch. Oh, sorry. Wielding an acetylene torch. Yes. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say that's real. <laughs> and number five. Hmm. A four-digit code with three unique numbers. I closed my eyes and did some math. There'd be 54 possible combinations. According to the instructions, the safe would lock down if it got three incorrect combinations in a row. Then the hotel staff would have to operate it with, open it with their master code. I replayed my brief interaction with him in my head. He was on Tron's couch. He drank Turkish coffee while I had black tea. We talked about... Aha! He was a Star Trek fan! I typed 1701, and the safe clicked open. NCC 1701 was the registration number of the Starship Enterprise. How did I know that? I must have heard it somewhere. I don't forget stuff. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, I, out of principle, I have to say fanfic. <laughs> but I'm probably going to be severely chastised when I hear the truth. All right. Oh, man. Let's see. Let's see. So number one. Number one was uh, Oscar Wilde. Gay as Oscar Wilde wearing sequins walking a pink poodle with a tiara on his head. Yeah. You said real. That is real. Okay. <laughs> submitted by Vincent and Edmund. A lot of these uh, were submitted by multiple people. That's how good they were. Uh, I have to just say, I'm you know, if everyone is wrong from here, I was I agonized over that one, and so I'm I'm proud, and I can walk away, my head <laughs> held high. So we've got that to look forward to, Dale and uh, an X or something. Yes. Uh, number two, number two was Gizmo, the anthropomorphic hologram, uh, Clippy the paperclip. You said fanfic for that. That was fanfic, written by Craig. Whew. Okay. <laughs> That's tricky. That's like the guy in a Mr. DNA in a Jurassic Park type of thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's see. Number three. Number three was uh, the Mountie jumped out through the uh, non-safety glass. Uh, Han Solo pants. She corrects his Han Solo pants. You said fanfic. That's real. That's coming oh, up later. No. That's coming up later. Uh, that was submitted by Cynthia and Ross. Um, I kept... Unbelievable. Unbelievable. She's a she's a Star Wars nerd, Mike. She's a bit of a nerd. Oh, I guess I'm just a bit of a nerd. But it's also introduced, so she says, I don't know when for the book this happens, but she says he always wore a Mountie uniform, and then it turns out that's not the uniform? Yeah, she's so like, oh, well, I'm, I put that picture in your head, but c- come on, idiot. I was talking about the duty uniform. Unbelievable. Go come to on. hell. Go so to hell. <laughs> Number four. Um, this was the guy admiring the view as she's doing some welding. 
Yeah. You said real. That was unfortunately fanfic yeah, written right. by written by Maeve. Um, so the, the horniness does not manifest itself there, but I'm, I fear it's coming. Uh, and number five, so I think you're two for four right now. Number five yes. is typing in the uh, code, which turns out to be the registration number of the Starship Enterprise. You said fanfic. That is unfortunately real. Oh, come on. In the book. So oh, a whole lot of slop being uh, just funneled into the trough. Wow. So people are just looking ahead and going, why would I write fanfic when there's this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's Damn so, it. It's so devious. Wow. But that's, uh, that's, that's when, when Klein doses your drink, man. That's, uh, it's hard to shake this stuff off. I mean, oh. don't do people not think they deserve better? You know, you, you're not discerning enough to just have uh, just just references to these two intellectual properties dropped into a book, and that makes you happy. I just don't understand. I, well, let's ask the uh, people who favorably like reviewed it, who sure. you on Facebook sure. and you called them out. Let's just ask them. <laughs> Let's get him on the air. Sure. Let's get him on the horn right now. Defend <laughs> your choice. Uh, maybe, maybe that'll happen if any of them have good humor about it. Uh, well, remember when uh, Ready Player One, we, we brought our beloved uh, business partner and CEO, David right? G. Martin, on. And he's like, look, guys. I mean, <laughs> but he was willing to come on and defend his choice. Yeah, but so well, the first time it happened, it could be great, but like... As it stacks up, you don't just realize all these guys are doing is throwing out, you know, niche Star Trek references to to appeal. Like, it, it just doesn't start to, you know. Yeah, they're feeding you the little pellet after you do the trick. I, I don't know. I guess you <laughs> I like mean, it. What am I saying? There's still, you know, 40-year-olds who get angry about Star Wars. So, like, they haven't moved on to that. So, I guess, you know, you're still happy to talk about Star Wars if you like it. So, what? Right. anyway, we don't need to. We don't need to turn this into that type of discussion. Yeah. Anyway, I failed completely. Two for uh, five. Two for five. Turned around the uh, the first one was a tough one. You got to admit. Yeah. Did not expect to have an Oscar Wilde and a <laughs> what tiara and a two yeah, two or something like yep. that. Mm-hmm. Good lord. So. Whew. <laughs> Oh, it's almost like a middle-aged guy in his 50s is writing this in the 20-teens as opposed to a 20-year-old 20, 20 woman who has you know, a whole like century of different attitudes and experiences right. to defining her life. <laughs> right. Uh, all right, chapter three. Chapter three, after my failure. Let's go to chapter three. <laughs> chapter three essentially builds to one big scene. I forget, there might be other stuff in here, but it's essentially, when we get to it, it will be called the blank chapter, um, I think. That's how, yeah, as sure. it will come to be known, as Ernest Klein would put it. <laughs> yes. Um, brother. <laughs> uh, what is she doing here? She's, she's going to meet Trond? She's going to meet Trond. Um, yes, she, my, he's, 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 in a, he's in like a big airplane hangar or something. And uh, as they were doing before, he, uh, he remains inconspicuous by poking his head out of the door and looking both ways down the hall like... Uh, um, like he's about to uh, do a cartoon mission. Yes, and he's somehow he has hidden a, a huge garage where he's smuggled in the parts of, uh, I guess it's like the Johnny Cash song about stealing the Cadillac or something. <laughs> he's, he's smuggled in the parts of these giant, like bigger than tanks, mm-hmm. uh, harvesters. Yeah. Uh, and so he's got them in a secret garage that she... I guess you can poke your head out of a garage on the moon. I, mean, I, I forget how the I forget how the bubbles work. Did I'm the sorry. rest of the gang poke their heads out beneath him? You know, one by one to also <laughs> yes. look around. Um, yeah, he's essentially built 
uh, you know, George Clooney and Brad Pitt building a reconstruction of the bank vault in the casino, essentially, uh, so that they're able to piece together exactly where things are and what they need to do. Yes. And so he brings her in there uh, to show her this. And I I mean, I guess he's got nothing else going on. He's got a he's probably smoked maybe three of those cigars. <laughs> he's pr- pretty hung over, I would assume. Hopefully. That, yeah. Uh, His and, daughter's uh, got a physical therapy appointment. Yeah, he's eaten some borscht that tasted kind of funny, but what are you <laughs> going to do? Uh, and then she kind of comes up with a plan while they're they're talking about it. So he's looking at it, and this is my, it's just my first note if you have something before this, please. But uh, they won't know who I am, but they can drag my ass back inside and have a Scooby-Doo moment when they pull my helmet off. <laughs> Scooby-Doo. 2080. 2080. The yes. moon. Scooby-Doo. Starring Freddie Prince V, probably. and uh... she, she was five when she went to the moon? <laughs> no, she's been born here. She keeps saying, like, I can't go back, right? No, she was the youngest that's ever been born. You can't oh, be born there. Right, sorry. They ra- they lowered the age, and then she was the first person right. to go there. But yes, yes, she would have to go under serious therapy and physical uh, centrifuges to be able to go back to Earth. Anyway, her Saudi Arabian dad gave her... <laughs> Scooby-Doo tapes <laughs> when he was at the, the welding shop. So, yeah. I mean, come on. Like, uh, just, I'd like to think that if it said, uh, and we would have a Lidsville moment, uh, you know, where I fall into a giant hat because that's the only thing I watched as a kid. Like, I'd like to think I would tip my, my flat hat. Yes. But, then, but Tron sees her point when he mentions that. But it is a good thing. Velma did not kill the Scooby-Doo franchise. That's, uh, you can rest assured. <laughs> Despite the, uh, I forgot about the best that. efforts. <laughs> Is that the one thing that the world united on was sort of hating? Somehow, Velma? yes. It yeah, was, that's, yeah, that's kind of delightful that occasionally we can rally together. <laughs> um, well, here's my next note after that. Uh, she's like uh, looking around. She's doing some welding and. Uh, he, uh, she is discussing this whole plan with him. She says, don't worry about it. I climbed out of the basin and dropped four meters to the ground. I pulled a chair toward me, spun it around and straddled it. I rested my chin on my palm and got lost in thought. So classic, uh, you know, cool substitute teacher pose. We're going to rap, kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, Michelle Pfeiffer and Coolio in the uh, uh, Gangster's Paradise video. But, but <laughs> Tron, you know, a cliche, uh, definitely a cliche. But Tron doesn't think so. He sidled over. So, thinking, I said, do women know how sexy they look when they sit like that? <laughs> so just a, it's a good time to periodically refresh yourself with a picture of the author but um <laughs> right. it's also a good time to check back uh, uh just a few sentences earlier which she describes herself as i hadn't showered that morning i felt like i was a wad of grease that had been dipped in a vat of dirtier grease <sighs> that's what gets tron going <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I had those exact comments linked because the the shower um, after the comment about two women sexy look where they sit like that, <laughs> I I immediately took a shower after that oh, as nice. well. Yeah, so yeah. yes, the showers are were very much on my mind. So yeah, it is a fifty year old uh, proposing that to a twenty year old who he's you know impl- in his employ. But uh, I don't know. How about a you want a menage a trond? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, terrible. Yes. And uh, uh, did she, and instead of saying like, um, how's your daughter? <laughs> she goes, of course. 
So, you know, it's, I don't know whether that's flirt back or I, I don't know what that's supposed to be. But. Yeah. Uh, but, man, uh, something's not sitting right. Like, uh, I got to squeeze one out again. I'll be I'll be right back, Tron. I should not have sat this way. It really it lo- loosened up something in my lower intestine. It's, <laughs> <laughs> oh, much, much better. And then the chapter ends with, uh, all right, I'm going home. I need a shower. Yeah, said Tron, you really do. It's sexy. Not five minutes ago. <laughs> yes. drooling over her like uh the mister to drooling over the, the housekeeper in a pair of huge pink panties <laughs> <laughs> uh all right here i have another joke for you i want to get your reaction Ooh, yes please if, if you just want to snort through the nose if you want to laugh out loud lol if you want to rotfl <laughs> i don't know whatever you want to do lmfao what happened to those guys I, too bad they're not still listening to them on the moon they were probably pretty big still when he wrote this book <laughs> Uh, by the end of it, I had a plan, period. And like all good plans, it required a crazy Ukrainian guy. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, sunglasses tipped, uh, taken off, or put on, whichever. Oh, man, you did, you, uh, did you watch the latest season of Stranger Things? Why am I asking you that question? Of course you did not, but they had a, <laughs> no. they had a crazy Russian guy in that one who uh, I'm imagining it's, you know, it's... The same basic character. Oh sure, yeah. He You're looks, crazy, man. Yeah, all the Russians crazy. Yeah, it was. It was that exact. Like you know, he ended up betraying them several times. But like, it was. It was very much a crazy guy. Um, so, what's the crazy Ukrainian guy's name? Uh, is it? Uh, I couldn't figure out whether she said it needs uh, it, but then she goes to then all this other stuff. Then she meets Martin Svoboda. Is he Ukrainian? I think that's him. That must be him. Yep. Oh, okay. That name didn't strike me as Ukrainian, but I don't. I don't know many. Well, Ukrainians. maybe the uh, the events of the past year like made some changes in you know Ukrainian. The yeah, that's naming true. Yeah. things like I'm sure that's factored into this. Like <laughs> shook things off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so we're gonna get to. Oh, so before we get to it, because uh, if you've read the book, you know what this is all building to, and it is not good. It is very bad. Um, but uh, the, wait, you know where this goes? <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I mean, what 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 he's about to do in this chapter? Oh, this chapter. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh yes. Oh sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, she she presents him with something. He he she. I forget what she needs from him, but he she comes to him with like uh like schematics that she's done of these harvester, and she's asking him like, will this plan I have worked to disable them? She's like, yes. Wait, before you get to it, can I just yeah. this this is how she meets him. Mm-hmm. Martin Svoboda hunched over a microscope and reached absently for his coffee. His hand passed three beakers of deadly acid before he grabbed the mug and took a sip. I swear that idiot's going to kill himself someday. <laughs> so she can identify. She walks in immediately like the little the gate, the oxygen tent slams shut. And she looks down and identifies three deadly acids by sight. That's a very good point. And his hand passing over them? That is, I mean, that's talent. Well, I mean, maybe the uh, Mr. Yuck stickers persisted in 2082. <laughs> it could be. Yeah. So, I mean, he's <laughs> essentially... Anyway, all right, that's Martin. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> he's got a John Carradine lab from any given John Carradine 1970s uh, you know, sci-fi horror movie with bubbling beakers. Uh, crazy. <laughs> But she presents him with these things and says, uh, uh, he says, art quality aside, this is an elegant design. Did you copy it from somewhere? No. Why? Is something wrong? It's just, it's just really well done, he said, raising his brow. I never knew you were so talented. 
I found electronics tutorials online and worked from there. You taught yourself? How long did it take? Most of this afternoon. You learned all this today? You'd make a great scientist. So they're really, they're laying it on thick that she's, you know, beautiful, sexy, and preternaturally gifted in electronic <laughs> schematics. Wow. You drew this today, and you sit backward on chair? <laughs> Marry me, as they say in Ukraine. <laughs> um, she, uh, by the way, I'm just going to keep track of this. Uh, she pinched her chin earlier, and the electrical engineer, the crazy Ukrainian, I guess, does it too. Oh, okay. Really? I, pin- I pinched my chin, yeah, uh-huh. as, I, as I thought. So that's two chin pinches, if there's any more. I'm going to uh, drink some uh, deadly acid. Sure. Uh, I'm sure you are able to identify that by sight as well. Yes. Oh, it's only semi-deadly. <laughs> Damn it. Now I'm just paralyzed. <laughs> it, was, it was citric acid. It was country time lemonade. It's the primary ingredient. Rats. <laughs> uh, but Svoboda is essentially uh, Q from James Bond's loser brother here. Yes. Because there's no way to, to beat around this. He Instead of wanting her money, which is a, a hefty sum, 2,000 slugs, he wants to give her something and have her try it out. A trade, yes. A trade. And uh, it is a condom. Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, he says it's his latest invention. And she says, the Chinese beat you by seven centuries. So she's up on the uh, Wikipedia page for condoms um, mm-hmm. somehow. But he says uh, he... It says it comes with this, and slides are like a thermos uh, with tiny holes inside. And thermos uh, is a brand name. Good to see that survives <laughs> on the moon in 2080 as well. Also good. What book did we do where Dumpster was also uh, Dumpster, capitalized yes. or something? But uh, here's, the, here's the thing. She says, why would anyone buy this? And he grins, it's reusable. It's good for hundreds of uses. After each use, you turn it inside out and put it on this cylinder. Then you turn on the cleaner. There's a liquid cleanse cycle and a high temperature bake for 10 minutes. After that, it's sterile and ready to use again. So it's a little uh, wacky wacky tech guy here who's coming up with his invention. And, she says, and at, I'm reading it at this point. I'm like, okay, that was very, very bad and uncomfortable, but at least it's over. Right. It was a throwaway gag. And then it continues. <laughs> oh, God, no. You should probably rinse it off first and stop. Why would anyone want this? And he, he tell, d- gives them the math. He says 10,000 slugs of savings. And this, I, wanted, I just said, we have to read this dialogue together. I'll be okay. her. You can be Svoboda. It's, okay. uh, it starts with, I'm not looking for investors. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I just, just, to, just to read what this is, sounds like as people are actually saying it. This is a, okay. a hot 22-year-old. And a Ukrainian uh, scientist. Should I be the crazy Ukrainian? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm not looking for investors. I need someone to test it. <laughs> and you think I've got the dick for the job? Oh, that was me rolling my eyes. <laughs> I need to know how it feels for the woman. I'm not having sex with you. Oh, no, no. That was me wincing. <laughs> I just want you to use it the next time you have the sex. Then tell me how it affected your experience. Why don't you bang a girl and ask for yourself? I don't have a girlfriend. And I'm terrible with women. Can we keep going? Oh, yeah, two more lines. Uh, there, there are brothels all over Aldrin. High end, low end, whatever you want. That's no good. 
I need data from a woman who is having sex for fun. The, the woman has to be sexually experienced, which you definitely are. Uh, careful. <laughs> and likely to have sex in the near future, which again... Choose you... your next words wisely. <laughs> so, so, there you go. So that's, a, yeah, just a whole back and forth, so... I mean, it was uh, only, it was it was only guys who said they liked this book, so that's a, a, a note. I mean, <laughs> uh, but it's true. There are it goes on after that. It keeps that's going. Also, I'm not kidding. Yeah, it's it, yeah. So he says, she says, "Can I pay you two thousand slugs? I don't need money. I need testing." It's like a you ever play those leisure suit Larry games? It seems like <laughs> a mission from that. Like honest to god, like it's like yeah, Larry's got to test this thing, like. You know, he, that's, the, that's the whole plot of the game is like finding ways to test this uh, reusable condom. So, I mean, and it's, you know, it sounds like a, a, a joke, you know, from a, a joke that your old grandpa would you'd, you'd hear him telling and it would disturb you as a 12 year old or something. Right. You know, the Polish invented a reusable condom. Like, you ever hear about the, the yeah, or it's one of those, uh, you know, long shaggy dog stories. Uh, turns out it was a reusable condom. I'm like, oh God, I listened to the whole thing yeah. for that. No soap radio. <laughs> God. Um, but yeah, so he, he gives it to her and says, just whenever the next time it comes up naturally, you know? And so this is really, this is a plot point for the for the rest of the book. This is going to be looming. Um, but and he, uh, just going back to how, her having saying like how how sexually experienced you are. There are only two thousand people on the moon, right? Like, there's six hundred, yeah, sixteen hundred people in my high school. Like, it's like right. I'm I'm wondering who, what, and, <laughs> and this is and and the crazy Ukrainian. He knows this already. Sure, so yes. He gives a glance at her, and he you know sips his poison and goes like, and I've I know you've banged like everyone on the moon. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's a it was a longer sequence that we even made it seem like, but that's the uh, reusable condom enters the picture. Um, after that, she goes to visit her uh, father. Um, yes, and this is where the music changes from the you know the the plucked uh, strings of the wacky scene. Blink, mm-hmm. blink. You want me to try this condom? Blink, blink, Then these strings soften, and she meets her father, mm-hmm. who uh, they are estranged. <laughs> uh, we've learned that before, right? But she just kind of walks in, and everyone's like. Well, well, well. Yeah, exactly. He's saying his... it, they're saying it in Arabic, of course. Yes. Whatever that is. Yeah, I think he they started Arabic and then they shift to English for no apparent reason. Is that correct? Yes, uh, we get uh, maybe six or seven lines in Arabic and then uh, cut the crap. He said in English, "What do you want? <laughs> Why did you switch languages, Dad? This is Dad. We both speak. <laughs> it's our native language yeah. uh, for the for the movie, I suppose." Um, and so he has also been hard at work introducing things. So a little more, a uh, little more slop tested here. He has invented a prayer wall since he's Muslim, and it has something about how the moon always points the same face towards Earth. So even though we're in orbit from our point of view, Earth doesn't move. Well, technically, it wobbles a little bit because of lunar libration. But don't worry your pretty little head about that. You included it, sir. Yes. Oh, that enraged me. <laughs> My pretty little head. I did. I, you're bringing it up. <laughs> I'm then, too stupid for your. <sighs> then she continues to, you know, to uh, worry about it by saying, "It's like it's not like Muslims in Australia dig a hole and face down." You think Muhammad's going to be impressed? He's like, "Hey, if you're not going to practice Islam, you don't get to talk about the Prophet. You brought it all up." <laughs> <laughs> right. God, 
Uh, but so th- that's just a, uh, a little excuse to toss a little more uh, XKCD style stuff into there. But what she does, or what the dad does to her, is uh, the the phrase "work it out." And so he shows her this thing, which I can't even get a picture of. Did you have a mental picture of the? I was sort of imagining one of those things you see at like a state fair, where you know you look like uh, Da Vinci Vitruvian Man, and it spins you around type of thing. You know what I mean? You get in one of those like gyroscopes. Oh, okay. It probably yeah. isn't like that, but that's what I thought of. <laughs> like you, okay. you strap she, into he... it, kind of. She was like, it's a spot-welded piece of metal, and it's 22.9 degrees. Anyway, I didn't know what it was. And then uh, she points to these hooks on it Mm -hmm. and says, what are those for? And he's like, work it out. And she goes, ugh, (laughs) for attaching a prayer rug? Correct. Yeah. So I I don't know what this mechanism is. but (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, just as, I don't know. I guess a little more world building and showing that he's devout, but she's fallen away from his faith type of thing. And the, their whole, uh, you know, something about lying to him in the past. She feels bad about that because she lies to him again about why she needs his welding equipment. Yes. She says something about like uh, she needs to install an air shelter for her friend. Yes. And so he says and, oh, there's a long uh, parenthetical about, um, you know, in welding, you you bathe uh, the the. Uh... Uh, something with uh, argon so you know but here we can't get argon like oh my god are we actually getting into this (laughs) so we use an identical material because it's half the weight that uh, you know problem was solved easily yes so next to your liquor credenzas you put a tank of neon and it's a little easier than carrying the argon (laughs) to the moon (laughs) but that just introduces more talk of like why there's like a deadly vacuum that could also explode with all these, you know, gases we're flooding the atmosphere with type of thing. Um, that's why the Fred needs an air shelter. They go into what that involves too, but it's essentially a, a safe room, panic room in case there is an air or fire disaster. Right. Uh, but it ends with her. So she's lying to her dad to get the welding equipment to do whatever the plan is. We haven't heard exactly what her plan is to disable these things the oxygen harvesters whatever i don't know Mm -hmm. whatever the hell they are (laughs) uh but she says uh this is very strange self-talk at the end of it and let me tell you there's no one i hate more than teenage jazz bashara that stupid bitch made every bad decision a stupid bitch could make (laughs) again go find a picture of this dude who's writing this and uh a hundred percent my note there take a look at him uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey sir please <laughs> calm down <laughs> oh but that's how that chapter ends her sort of betraying her father and it goes into some more um some more uh, pen pal stuff the pen pal stuff yeah they've gotten a bit older there's a a, a a birthday i think but there they're talking about dating and this was the one exchange in here that i had to take away okay because um, there's a little more like science garbage um, sure uh, you know, there's there's literal equations and stuff like that, moon gravity. But she says, Dear Kelvin, I need advice. Edgar and I are going on our fourth date. We've been making out a lot, just kissing, nothing else. I want to escalate, but don't want to move too fast. I'm not ready to get naked yet. Any recommendations? So, I mean, just even putting yourself in the mindset of a, of a you know, ninth grader, it's, it's just a very weird way to phrase all this stuff. It's like, well, have you... The options here are fairly limited, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> so, like, a bizarre thing to ask your pen pal, who's clearly, you know, uh, is, he's probably in love with her, and we're probably finding that out. But uh, sure. his response, this is this is verbatim. 
and I messed over, I skipped over this initially because uh, it was so brief and I thought the chapter had ended, but he writes back, Dear Jazz, boobs. Dear Kelvin, seriously, that simple? Dear Jazz, yes. Chapter ends. Uh, I, just, uh, what? Like, <laughs> uh, you can fill in, you, you can puzzle it out in your own head because I don't want to be puzzling it out on the air, like what he's implying and what that is supposed to mean, but like, bizarre, awful. <laughs> Fit uh, sixteen, right? Oh, is so that what they say? Sure. I yeah. think they say that. Yeah. Good. Um, well, I'll I'll uh, diffuse that moment by uh, giving you one of the hilarious jokes. Oh, please! Uh, and you, uh, and listeners, you react however you want to react, and then just please note it. Yeah. Here you go. Pause this, this and, is... and walk into a room with uh, you know family members or roommates who aren't listening to this, just so they yes. can hear your your hearty laugh. It'll probably brighten their day. Okay, this is uh, from the uh, the letter section, and uh, this is from her after being accused of being lazy. How dare you call me lazy? I'd come up with a scathing retort, but nah, I'm just not that motivated. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, uh, I clearly you're you're loving the humor of the joke, right? <laughs> Uh, I have some jokes about unemployed people, but they never work. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, well, it's a good thing to end on. I think a uh, little uh, light teen slash fifty-year-old uh, guy horniness and uh, a joke from uh, the Playboy joke book um, that you, your beloved possession. Yeah, I'd, I'd call it just the right amount of humor and, and geekery. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's uh, let's let's read some dumb sentences. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A all right, so these dumb sentences are once again mostly our Patreon supporters. Patreon.com slash three seventy two pages. Do check it out. Um, I think we did. We somehow had some that did not get burned because this was probably like twenty thousand words or something. So. I think there's a yeah. lot of lot of garbage in there we didn't cover. Uh, Chris submitted this one. He says that there may be stupider and wronger sentences, but this one felt like a classic DSOTW from the early days of the podcast. <laughs> he said, I even left Bob behind, and he's the most skilled EVA master on the moon. It's just, yeah, it's just sort of some dumb uh, sci-fi right there. Uh, Jay and Harris submitted no meat ship today. That's what we call passenger ships. One of them described it as, as we did, as effortless world building. Uh, Harrison and Justin both submitted the gizmos did whatever magic shit computers do to identify each other. Uh, George submitted, this one was good. I forget what it was from, uh, but she said, crap, crap with four A's. And that was a sentence. Uh, Matt, Matt, Matt submitted our beloved There's nothing more annoying than trust fund boys Looking for moon poon okay. uh, Elizabeth submitted uh, Important note Do not pee in a grey water reuse shower That's Oh I missed that Yeah that was some world building With her uh, bathroom that she walks to in her nightie She's a lot of There's a lot of pee and <laughs> Yeah there really there's is There's a lot of wee wee and poo poo And <laughs> That's a, another good pull quote for you, uh, uh, Mr. Weir, if you need a, uh, another, <laughs> another printing. <laughs> uh, Lindsay submitted, Artemis does not fuck around with fire safety and pointed it out that uh, it's dumb because even though it's more dangerous than it is on Earth, even though it's as far as cigarette lighters are illegal, it does not have a fire report department, just a bunch of volunteers. Artemis is absolutely fucking around with fire safety. <laughs> Andrew submitted, the moon's a mean old bitch. Uh, oh, this one's good. Mike submitted, 
The workshop was effectively a garage. And he said, this is perhaps the most needlessly... That's a Tron's workshop where he keeps yeah, the thing. Yeah. He says, perhaps the most needlessly pedantic sentence in all of 372 history. Was the narrator really worried that she would start describing the vehicles and her readers would exclaim, the presence of motorized transport in a working area makes it a garage! A garage! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jeffrey Sims get to uh, drag my bass back inside and have a Scooby-Doo moment. Oh, good. Thank you. Uh, and he, he pointed out that, you know, the guy referencing Star Trek was called out by the other guy for that being a strange, old, antiquated reference. But right. uh, Scooby-Doo is... <laughs> and we have uh, Oscar Wilde coming up. <laughs> yes. Uh, Edmund submitted, it has hotels, casinos, whorehouses, theaters, and even an honest-to-God park with real grass. He said, one of those things is not like the other, and it's not the honest-to-God park with real grass. Uh, this is for, uh, at her father's house. John submitted, I did stuff in that bunk. Which he said, no, no one looks at their old childhood bunk bed and thinks that. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like, yeah, I, I remember like, you know, wiping boogers behind mine one. Like, uh, it's like, oh, I guess my parents probably found that when I moved out of the house. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Cynthia submitted... Uh, this is uh, the daughter, the um, the, do- uh, the handicapped daughter. Uh, but Lena looked up to Tron like he put the earth in the sky. She said, we get it. You're on the moon. <laughs> if, 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 uh, if It's a Wonderful Life for the uh, third time was, uh, was up there. George Bailey would have lassoed the earth. Hey, are you, you want me to, to, to lasso it? I'll do it. <laughs> uh, Hayden submitted, well, if it isn't, Jazz Bashara said a nearby asshole. He said, this oh, is not a dumb sentence. It's a perfect sentence. <laughs> uh, ben submitted, do you know how woman, uh, how sexy women look when they sit like that? He added, said the genius billionaire. Mike T submitted, dear jazz boobs. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brian submitted, uh, lunar gra- that's lunar gravity for you in reference to the areas without tourists. Stairs are each half a meter high. Uh, Maeve uh, submitted he quit the, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police 10 years ago to become Artemis's head of security but he still wears the uniform every day um, she had a lot of questions about that that I guess some of them were addressed in that real or fanfic um, mm-hmm. ceremony uh, not ceremonial uniform uh, Michael submitted he Tron Tron picked up a wrench and threw it into the air and he questions this this is when they're in his uh, in his garage why did he do that? Is he a child who likes to throw rocks for fun? I was expecting a cartoonish ending of their conversation where the wrench floated down and hit one of them on the head with an exaggerated bonk sound effect. Instead, they finish their conversation and move on. All caps, what purpose did throwing the wrench serve? <laughs> I noted that as well. <laughs> Jordan submitted, I forget what this was for, but, uh, oh, uh, the chess club, I think, in the uh, email with the pen pal. Are they so impacted with applicants they have to turn some away? And he just said... Like like a colon? They're impact. <laughs> uh, uh, Jen and Ross. Jens and Ross submitted this one. This was popular. If my neighborhood were wine, connoisseurs would describe it as shitty with overtones of failure and poor life decisions. And one of them said, uh, no wine connoisseur would use any of those words to describe wine. It's such a bizarre attempt at cleverness. And uh, the last one of that a listener submitted was Theodore saying, tell that to the East India Tea Company. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I had one that was just at the beginning. That was from the very beginning. It was it was again sort of a like a, like Chris said a, a classic dumb sentence of the week. Well, that sucked. I said it as he lifted my helmet off. Oh, 
Anything that didn't get burned? Uh, well, I just want to point out they all were mentioned, but I just want to read them in succession so you can just remember. These are all sentences. Uh, crap, <laughs> dicks, boobs. So. <laughs> Beloved wow. Academy Award winning author, Andy Weir. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, I think that will do it for us. I think we'll post the... Uh, we have emails, but we can do those separately because we have gone too long again. There's a lot of fodder here. Uh, I'll do better at real or fanfic next time, I swear. <laughs> will he? I said, steepling my fingers together. Like <laughs> <laughs> pinching my chin. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. So long. <laughs>